podcast that helps you escape from the mind-numbing despair of life and quasi-permanent threat of global nuclear war. Still? What is this, 1985? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. might as well be. Might as well be. What is this, 1984? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Welcome to Story Lords, the prompt-based fiction podcast with two prompts, three stories, and infinite laughter. Story Lords! <laughs> I'm Rich Masters, and with me as always is Josh Henderson... Uh, th- hi, I'd like to th- say that you're really good at remembering the name of the show, because I am not. <laughs> oh, well, I did, I did well. Uh, yeah. and Jeff Pennington. Yo. <laughs> He's the, a wrestler I'm now. the bad boy of the podcast now. Macho man Jeff Pennington, everyone. Your favorite movie sucks. <laughs> What's the name of that baby in the, I Think You Should Leave? Harley Jade something? Not He's a- like the... Fuck you, Harley Jade! When you said baby and Jeff was doing a, a a voice, I thought you meant Baby Herman from Roger Rabbit. Oh, it's conspiracy, <laughs> Baby Herman. Uh, <laughs> don't don't think up a bit for yourself to do on this show. Is a good <laughs> little asterisk I need to put. Because <laughs> we're we're suddenly in about five became seconds. remember babies and things. <laughs> what? <laughs> remember Boss Baby? <laughs> Your favorite movie is not as good as Boss Baby. That was what I was going to say. Damn, he is a villain. That's true. <laughs> Full heel. Uh, this week on Story Lords, I got it right again. Uh, hey! We are doing, the prompts were sacrifices and pacts, or pacts and sacrifices, depending on how I said it last time. Um, yeah. And this time, well, th- before we start, this was pretty good this set of prompts. I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah, yeah. this was Absolutely. this was very good. This was easy. This is easy. Um, yeah, this is yeah. It's barely a challenge. Don't don't oh, wow. make us don't make us do socks or. You're gonna get again. toads and tube socks next time. <laughs> um, oh, Leotards and amphibians. We had one point on the prompts list: frogs, toads, salamanders, and amphibians. It's like the reptile house. Like, do they all listen to our show <laughs> while they're like cleaning out the snakes and shit? Like, what the fuck? I have no idea. Uh, no gargoyling as a prompt, please. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> There's so many great meanings for gargoyling. Go look it up. Almost too many. Go look it up on Fapello on the train. Fapello. <laughs> Fapello. Oh, Josh, you're first if you can get anything else in your head now. I'm not ready. All right. My episode is called Forget It, Sid. It's Grawl Town. (laughs) (laughs) The nights in Darinos are darker than me trying to explain my relationship with my father while I'm on a date with what would later turn out to be my third cousin. Sure. Oh, my God. If this were Game of Thrones, everyone would be all like, Nice, and that's so hot, but it isn't. This is real dark-ass life. Awkward and painful until the day they atomize my molecules into dirt and dust. Just like the night in Darius. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Where's my sister, Sid? Fred asks again one more time, sternly this time. 
How should I know? She's probably on a walkabout like in Crocodildo Cum D2, our favorite <laughs> porn to watch together. Or something. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Fred said. Imagining the image now because how could you not? Also, this universe is sort of like Game of Thrones. There is an incest, though. Unless unless that's something that you guys want me to bring into this for, for patrons. <laughs> I'm just going to let that thought just let, simmer it just let it sit. Just let it sit. Pause for answers. Yeah. <laughs> Pause for typing. Oh, no. Sid, I'm stuck in the fucking whatever. I'm Sid, stuck I'm in the stuck window in the gargoyling. Magic portal. <laughs> <laughs> she went off on a mission to figure out what the hell is going on in this crazy, mixed-up, non-incestuous, yet-rated M for mature workaday world, Sid finally relented. Duncan clicked his pistol into unshoot mode and holster. <laughs> we just came from Graw. Place is fucked, he said, and grabbed a leg of turkey mite off the fire that had been cooking on. Turkey mites are like turkeys, but they have six legs. <laughs> and once you get through the hard outer shell, they're pretty good and taste like chicken. Good for Thanksgiving as well. But they're turkey mites. <laughs> Everyone gets a leg. World building. It's okay. hard to do. It's different in different world. I it's understand. different. Things are different. They here. don't have Things chickens are... there. They only have turkey mites. Things are a little stupider here. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean place is fucked? Sid gave him a sideways glance. Place is fucked and probably haunted or something. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is can't go back. The mayor has taken over and is using the paladins as his own personal army. Duncan went on. Just like my ex-wife, Flyman said with no context whatsoever. <laughs> anyway, Sid began, we need to get back there. Why, Gunk said. Place is haunted and fucked like Duncan said. Ain't nothing worth going back for anyway. <laughs> Fred, what about your parents, Sid asked his longtime friend. Well... My mom's in a portal world between realities that's probably more pleasant than the current nightmare real world that the real world has become. And my dad honestly kind of deserves to be inside of a living nightmare for a while. So <laughs> he finished yeah. with a shrug. Fucking asterisk. That dimension is not better. Not better. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I told Uglide meet her back there when she was ready to. Sid stopped himself. When she was done with her mission. Besides... Grawl is our home, guys. I'm assuming it's these dorks' home, too. Shoot guy, buff dwarf, baby cosplay twins. You're from Grawl, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Chickpea spoke for them all. <laughs> and you guys hate the PODs, right? Sid nudged buff dwarf. Yes, Gunk said. Shou Gunk shouted, raising his stein. Ugla was right, Sid said. Something is going on in this realm. Sure, Grawl is a cesspit of corruption and herpes, but it's our home! Duncan rolled his eyes. Sure, Grawl has been a downward spiral ever since Gale Dirt Wars. <laughs> and sure, one time I saw a guy taking a huge jump in the middle of North Broad Street, but it's our home, god fucking damn it! <laughs> yes! Gunk yelled again. Wait, we have a North Broad Street? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's between Slut Street and Hoochie Mama Street, up in the Sex for Gold District. Wait, that's Chickpea. Uh, yeah, it's just between Slut Street and Hoochie Mama Street, <laughs> up in the Sex for Gold District. Chickpea clarified. That's why they did the gargoyling. <laughs> yeah, lots of gargoyles. 
The Sex with Gold District is in the southern reaches, Fred said. No, the Sex for Gold District. It's different, Peppercorn clarified. (laughs) (laughs) Heh. Broad Street, Gunk let out a laugh. <laughs> got that reference before because, because there's broads selling their coot. And also, who's going to lead this suicide mission, Duncan cut in? Don't even think about me leading it. I can't even tie my own moccasins, Flyman said sadly. <laughs> Everyone looked over at him in silence. It's okay, buddy. We know, said said Panic on the back. <laughs> I'm no leader, Sid said. I'm going to kill. I'm good at killing and fucking and sometimes both one after another in that order. <laughs> Ew, chickpea said. Justified. Yeah. Besides, Sid went on, this is your crew. I've known Fred for a long time, and if he trusts you, guys, I guess I do. Sid patted Fred on the back as he stood up. Uh, He's right! <laughs> Who's talking? I don't know. I should really mark down who's talking. Well, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, I know who it is. <laughs> He's right. We have to at least try to free Grawl, or at the very least, take some of those paladins out. I am so horny for violence against them. <laughs> I can taste the cum in the back of my throat like I used a cum sauce on my steaks. Mm. Wow, Dick P said. <laughs> What's the name of this outfit anyway, Sid questioned. The Flamingos! They all shouted at once, raising their stein and turkey might legs. (laughs) Okay, sure, Sid said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems only fitting that the leader of this fine outfit leads us into one last battle. Sid looked over at Duncan, who raised his eyes to meet Sid's. If you're gonna... If you're all... Eh. If you're half as good at killing as you are convincing, I'd say we have a shot, Duncan said, raising his stein to Sid. But we're going to do this my way, and we're going to be careful and not stupid as all fuck, he finished, looking at Gary and Flyman. (laughs) (laughs) Gary was already walking around the camp picking flowers out and making a crown while singing the instrumental part from Critney Spears' hit single, Toxic. Britney Love Britney Spears. <laughs> Cut two. <laughs> the crew all gathered around a map that Duncan had spread out over a tree stump. All right, we're going to need to split into two groups, Duncan said, addressing everyone. Me, Gunk, and Fred will storm the POD headquarters, Terminator 1 style. We'll see <laughs> Chickpea and uh, that guy, he said, pointing to Flyman. You'll try to make it to the mayor's office and assassinate him. Whoa, 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 Gunk said. We assassinate now? (laughs) (laughs) I thought at least you'd use a euphemism like neutralize or destroy like they do in kids' cartoons. (laughs) I don't know. This sounds like a bad idea. Gunk is getting more and more strong bad. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping nobody would notice this. I love it. Okay, I'll keep going then. (laughs) If it were Game of Thrones, everyone would be jacking themselves off into their own mouths while gargling George R. R. Farton's chody-ass dick. But when we do it, it's a bridge too far, Duncan said. (laughs) We have to do this. If Sid is right, then everything is connected. And not, everything is connected, man, like your uncle started to say on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Something is wrong, and we feel it. 
I, I've never seen Terminator 1, only Sperminator 1, Flyman admitted as he slowly raised his hand as if that somehow were a question. <laughs> okay, Duncan said, rubbing the bridge of his nose. So, in Sperminator 1, does the Sperminator go to a police station of some kind? Oh, yeah, and he sperminates all over the sexy lady officers, if you know what I mean, Flatman said, almost with pleasure in his voice. Oh, that's more off-putting than him being it's sad. It's worse, yeah, it's somehow worse. It's very Game of Thrones. Okay, well, instead of sperminating the paladins, we're going to destroy them, Duncan said, looking over at Gunk. Thank you, Gunk said with a nod. <laughs> But that's not your concern anyway. You and Chickpea, along with Sid, will be dealing with the mayor. His office will be heavily fortified with traps and probably pawns that you can easily dispatch. <laughs> Cut off the head of the snake and the snake will die, Duncan said, stabbing a knife down into the map for emphasis. What about me, Gary Child? <laughs> <laughs> Is he still wearing his crown of flowers? Yeah, he has crown on. Uh, Duncan said, looking at Sid... I honestly thought you were, like, their pet. I didn't even think you could talk. <laughs> I at very most thought you were their servant. Great idea, Gary said, snapping his bony fingers. I'll be the bard on this epic quest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He put on his flower crown and began to noodle on a loot that he pulled out of somewhere. <laughs> Where the hell did he get that loot? Sid asked Flyman. He's been rattling around his rib cage this whole time. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on in this episode, Flyman said, sulking. <laughs> he can help me out in the bone van, Peppercorn said. Come on, skeleton, help me put these crystals into the mana engine. <laughs> they filled the tank so they wouldn't stall on their way to save all of Grawl, Gary sang, drumming awesome. his ass loot. <laughs> the ride to Grawl was quiet. It was like in Predator when Jesse Ventura is listening to Long Tall Sally, and then he says that hard F slur because mm. nobody would take him take some of his nasty ass chewing tobacco. No, this was a this was a somber ride. Nobody was calling anyone inappropriate slurs, since each member of the team knew this could be their last mission. And what was it for? Duncan thought to himself. He was a criminal. Why did Sid's words sway him to act so unselfishly? Is that even a word? Duncan shook off the thought, <laughs> blaming it on his nerves. As the camera panned left, Gunk sat with his head. Gunk sat with his head lowered and hands on his axe head while it, the hilt held him up. Should he have pooped before they left? Nah, he'd be fine. Besides, he could just shit in the open axe wounds he was going to inflict on all the PODs. Oh my they deserve far worse. Maybe one of them would survive, only to get some crazy infection that they name after Gunk because he had shit in an open wound like a true hero. <laughs> yeah, he'd be fine. I'm glad he has the same thought process that I do, that whenever I leave somewhere to go somewhere important, I'm like, should I have pooped first? <laughs> Dude, it, the older you get, it's, a yep. more, it's more of a thing. Yep. It sucks. <laughs> the camera moved to chickpea. We're so dead. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, though. 
They don't let curvy shorties with back meat like this die young. She smiled at the thought and blew out a big bubble from her big league chew. <laughs> See? No hard F word. It can be done tastefully. Damn you, Jesse Ventura. Damn you. <laughs> Fucking big league chew cannon. <laughs> it's canon in every universe. True. <laughs> Buckle up, boys and girls, Fred said from the driver's seat. We're about to hit a checkpoint. The crew hustled to get into position. Flyman let out a, Oh, dear Dark Lord, save me, as he did the Catholic cross yourself thing, but instead made a pentagram. <laughs> Fred, he's a Satanist. Yep, let him makes be. Sense. <laughs> Fred revved the engine and sped the bone van up to maximum speed. Probably like 4,000 acres an hour or something hella fast. At the checkpoint, two idiot paladins were asking travelers for their information and general being, generally being the anti-freedom gimps they had become ever since the mayor took over. Just kidding. They've always been yep. like this. Ooh, <laughs> fuck you. You hear that, said Paladin 1? Sounds like... But before he could finish, his brain splattered all over the hood of the bone van going 400 acres an hour. <laughs> Fucking shit, what the fuck? Paladin 2 screamed as he rushed to alert everyone else, raising the alarm into his walkie-talking stone. <laughs> Intruders! Southgate, he yelled. Be alert! Just then, all of Grawl went apeshit sideways. Along the walls of the city, paladins began spraying fire, ar fire arrows down from every direction. You're up, Bard, Duncan said. Maestro, please, would you be so kind, Gary said, <laughs> as duality from Slipknot began to play. <laughs> Just then, the staffling gun popped out of the van's sliding side door, and Gary began shooting magic bolts like crazy. He turned a paladin into a baby duckling, and another he made super small, including the guy's already tiny peener. That paladin would later try to walk home in his small form and get mugged by a rat with a gun. His orphan son would not try to avenge him by becoming Rat Man or something because I bet that paladin was pretty abusive to his family. Look it up. It's staggering how abusive cops, I mean paladins, are to their spouses and children. It's true. Number one wife-beating profession. Yeah. Paladin. Yeah. paladin. <laughs> Crazy. You'd think it wouldn't be, but... Well, if you knew any of them... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just then, the van ran over some caltrops that were splayed out all over the dirt road. Ah, caltrops! A van's only weakness! Shit, Sid shouted. <laughs> Soon the van was leaking mana crystals and limping forward in its momentum only. The crew all ran out of the van, scattering to their assignments. Remember! Duncan began. I know, I know. Kill the snake and checkmate house of cards, king me, Sid finished. <laughs> 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 Peppercorning's law. <laughs> Brannigan's law, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peppercorn and Gary pushed his gimpy van pushed the gimpy van into the alley and activated its, its cloaking device, which was an actual cloak that was kinda like the Harry Potter cloak, but not so hateful against trans people. Yeah. In, fact, <laughs> in fact, the only thing visible was the van's trans rights are human rights bumper sticker. Yay. Nice. <laughs> Soon Fuck you, gunk. <laughs> Fuck you. George R. R. Farton. <laughs> Soon Gunk, Fred, and Duncan reached the front of the POD barracks. Where is everyone? Gunk asked. His his all sea talkie. It's different brand it's a different brand from the walkie talking stone. <laughs> Tooth 
things can exist at once. <laughs> All PODs are on alert and searching for us throughout the city, Peppercorn said from his command station inside the van. They're thinned out, so there's no better time to Sperminator 1, though. <laughs> Before Pep could even close the, the line, Gunk was rushing into the barracks with his axe. He screamed a war scream that'd make your mama cum her depends with fear and arousal. That's why she wears the pens. It's not because she's old, but accidents do happen. Well, that's understanding. <laughs> Can I help you? The attendant began to ask Gunk, but he lopped off his head before he could finish his passive-aggressive government worker apathy-laden greeting. <laughs> Duncan and Fred ran in after Gunk and began shooting and slashing everything that moved and was in a uniform. Gunk made his way into the barracks' inner rooms where perps were being processed. A paladin was harassing an orc that was chained with an old-timey ball and chain like your mama is chained to a responsibility of raising a failure like you. That was mean. <laughs> I like <laughs> this that. Narrator. This narrator's mean. <laughs> I was watering my flowers, York was pleading with the captor. <laughs> watering flowers while an orc, the paladin wrote down in his stupid little notebook thing. <laughs> Oi, little piggy, Gunk yelled. The entire barracks went silent as each and every POD turned in response. Suddenly, a bullet flew past Gunk's ear and pierced the POD, harassing the orc right in the dick. Duncan and Fred flew into the office and started going nuts, dispatching paladins. Gunk threw a guy up into the brazier and used a spear to pin him just above it. Suspended without pay, Gunk said <laughs> nice. with a spear. Fucking sick. <laughs> Fred was straight up ripping dude's arms off. He used one paladin's arm as a club to beat his partner to death with, and then for some reason shoved the arm up the other guy's beehole. <laughs> Mandatory cavity search, he said as the first guy... <laughs> As the first guys whose arm was ripped off slowly died of massive blood loss. <laughs> Duncan shot so many dicks, he probably now holds the new world record for dick shots. Since he was shooting the dicks off of actual dicks, it was like a double dick shoot-off. The Mead Book of World Records would record this day as the single greatest dick hunt in all of recorded history. Get nice. it? The Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, I got it. I knew Rich would get it, because that's all they drink. Mm. <laughs> soon soon mm. the barracks and the people listening to this story went silent. <laughs> <laughs> the only sound was the occasional groan of a dying paladin and the drip, drip, drip of blood and soggy body parts hitting the stone floor. Over here, Fred said, gesturing to a room with bars on it. It's the evidence treasure room. Duncan used his pistol to shoot off the lock. Inside, they had never laid eyes on so much nothing. There was nothing. Where's all the gold? Duncan asked aloud. Where's the giggle dirt? Gunk chimed in. This is weird. The way, the way they've been terrorizing the people, this place should be full of stolen contraband, said Fred, running his hand against the wall. Back in the van, Peppercorn's all-see-talkie... <laughs> screeched with a hiss and a pop as he threw his ear stone onto the ground. <laughs> ah, what the shit, he shouted. He grabbed his ear stone and replaced it back into his ear. Fred, I'm getting a weird magical feedback. Where are you guys? We're in the empty evidence locker, Fred responded. All I did was touch this wall. 
As he did, again, the hiss and pop cracked again through the stone. Magical feedback, Pep said. We're gonna need Chickpea. Meanwhile, Chickpea, Sid, and Flyman skulked their way through the fancy opulence of the mayor's mansion, occasionally ducking out of the way of a waiter bringing up a whole turkey or a mirror full of giggle, giggle dirt. <laughs> so turkeys are also canon. <laughs> Two things can exist at once. <laughs> Two things what can do exist turkeys at taste once. like? Turkey? Like turkey um, mites. Turkey mites, yeah. <laughs> This dude's living the life, Sid said with a whisper. Where is he getting all these drugs, Chickpea said, using her tiny finger to pick up some giggle dirt that had spilled onto the rug. (laughs) She did that thing they do in cop movies where they taste the drugs and know what they are. Like, how does that work? (laughs) (laughs) This is pure wordwood white, she exclaimed. (laughs) Soon they were at the office door of the mayor himself. They peeked around the corner to see the entrance and only two P.O.D.s guarding the door. Sid slowly drew socks from his sheath and Chickpea gripped her staff in anticipation. On three, Sid said, turning to Chickpea. One, two, uh, big guy, Chickpea said, pointing towards the guards. There stood Flyman slumping up to the doorway guards. Do you guys know where the bathroom is? <laughs> I had some really bad horse shit earlier, and it's giving me heartburn. It could be butt burn before all this is said and done, but I figured I'd go fart over an empty toilet for a while and see if anything remotely solid comes out. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man, the one paladin said as the other started to dry heave next to him. Suddenly, mid-dry heave, a black katana sliced through the guard's neck and lopped off his head. Chickpea shouted a single magic word from her staff, and from her staff, a snake appeared and bit the other guard several times on the face before disappearing into the ether. The poison took the guard almost out, uh, out almost immediately as he foamed at the mouth and slumped to the floor, floor convulsing in what probably was a seizure. His brain being eaten by the venom as his nervous system fired out for any gra- last grasp of life, there would be none. <laughs> Jesus, art Christ, fly guy, what are you doing? You could have been killed, Chickpea said, weirdly concerned. I was hoping they would kill me, Flyman said, <laughs> slouching and lowering his head. Nice work, King, Sid said, patting his friend on the head. Can you open this door, Polly Pocket Pussy? <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. Wow. I can't portal in. If I could, we could have just ported into the room and that would be lazy writing, although it would have saved on the page count, she said, looking at the camera. That, that is so, that's so weird you wrote that. Is it? Yep. That's fucking... We're doing it again. Yep. There are magical dampening spells all over this place. I could barely use my snake spell since it was a conjuration spell of a living creature. Anything else was blocked. I'll do it, Flyman said with a burp. Suddenly, he was retching like a cat at 3 a.m., and you have to get up at 6 a.m. to be at your girlfriend's parents' house for Thanksgiving. (laughs) We've all been there. Yeah, we've all been there. A torrent of acidic vomit shot from Flyman's elongated suck hole covering the door. (laughs) 
The acid ate through the door like it ate through your mama's beef curtains last night. Oh, Jesus. That's fucked up. <laughs> Why? Who would write this? I should be fired. <laughs> nah. Inside, the mayor was doing a line of giggle dirt off of a sexy skella woman's pelvis? <laughs> you could only really tell it might have been a woman because for some reason the skeleton was wearing lipstick. I mean, it doesn't matter. It could have been a guy skeleton wearing lipstick. I don't care. I just assume. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't, but I'm going by cartoon rules here, so give me a fucking break. <laughs> the skeleton has eyelashes, that's how you can tell. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. a bow. And a yep. wolf is, uh, and a, wolf's oh, eyes oh, are popping oh, out at it. <laughs> I'm a simple man. Bugs Bunny dresses up like a girl and I get a boner. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> oh my, the skeleton said, covering up her bare ribs. <laughs> Why was she embarrassed? Like, there aren't boobies there. It's the ghost of boobies, though, isn't it? <laughs> the ghost, yeah. Could the imagination of boobies. Yeah. All hail the thief, Sid, as he swung socks around all nice. cool like Obi-Wan. Get out of here, you you dorks, the mayor said, <laughs> proud of his quick wit. How's it going? Chickpea said with a wink to the Skella hooker. Skella hooker. <laughs> Flyman shuffled in and then sulked. Oh my god, what the hell is that? The mayor shouted. What do you, whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. Just don't let that thing touch me. I, in all my years of politics, have never seen a more hideous baby. And let me tell you, I've kissed some real ugly, chody-ass babies. <laughs> the mayor began to dry heave at the sight of Flyman. <laughs> I mean, pretty fucked up to admit to kissing ba- ugly babies, man. Sid said, thinking too hard about this. <laughs> You can have all the giggle dirt and stanky crank and danky diddles you want, the mayor said, using both hands to shovel drugs out of his drawer where mayor papers usually would be. I don't know how being a mayor works. Do you have a bathroom in here? Because I really gotta do a number four, Flyman said, walking toward the mayor. The mayor recoiled in horror as Flyman drew closer. I ate some bad sidewalk dookies earlier, or as I like to call them, sidewalk snacks. And my thorax is acting a fool. <laughs> Suddenly, Flyman let out a fart so heinous that the mayor straight up last crusaded like the Nazi at the end of that movie. His face melted right off into a puddle on the floor. I told you I had a number four, Flyman said with a sigh. Okay, then, Sid said, lowering his sword. <laughs> Chickpea, we need you down here, Duncan said in her earstone. Chickpea, Sid, and Flyman burst into the evidence locker only to see how empty it was. Looks like the mayor was tooting all that schneef the PODs were confiscating, <laughs> Sid said. <laughs> There's a doorway here, Chickpea said as she felt up the wall. Soon a glowing gold archway appeared with steps that led downward into a dark, dank dungeon. The flamingos cautiously made their way down the long staircase. As it twisted into the darkness below, it grew colder and darker. Chickpea tried to ignite a fire with her staff, but spells were still dampened. Sid held out a gold flame box that he had stolen from the mayor's office that said, Number two mayor on it? And ignited it. (laughs) No further explanation. Chickpea grabbed the torch off the wall and lit it. 
Thanks, stud, she said with a wink. Number two, Mayor. At least he was modest, <laughs> he said, <laughs> handing the flame box back. Soon they reached the end of the stairwell and, and were in a gigantic room filled with gold. The gold from the treasure locker, Duncan said, grabbing a handful of coins and pocketing them. Something is weird here, Fred said, looking around. Suddenly, the flames from all the braziers went out, and the pitch black, all the crew could see were tiny red glowing eyes. Oh, fuck, not this again, Chickpea said, (laughs) readying her staff, hoping that they were far enough down for the dampening spells not to be as effective. The braziers again shot to life with pure white fire blinding everyone. They all covered their eyes and groaned. When the light died down, they could see a giant golden pillar in the back of the room surrounded by thousands and thousands of golden spiders. A booming, ominous laugh rumbled slowly and lowly through their entire being. Fuck this, Duncan said as he pulled out a gun and shot at the pillar. Ba-ting! The bullet just bounced off the solid gold face of it. (laughs) A dark red energy... What is that? Do you hear that? No. That's so weird. I'm picking up, like, CB shit. What the <laughs> hell? Dude, what the fuck? Hey, Big Bomber Josh. <laughs> Dude, that was so weird. I don't know if you could hear it, if it was recorded. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Uh, the bullet just bounced off the solid gold. I just want to do that again. A dark red energy began to glow and grow as the laugh boomed louder and louder. Ah! Duncan shouted as he flinched toward the pillar. The laugh grew and grew. More and more evil as Duncan began to slide toward the now glowing red pillar. It was him! Gunk said, trying to grab... Wait, why did I write that? It has him! That's it. There we go. It has him! Gunk said, trying to grab onto onto Duncan's arm and pull him back. Duncan's pistol shot out of his hands and flew toward the pillar like two opposing magnets. With a clang, they stuck themselves to the pillar. Help us! Gunk shouted as everyone, including Flyman, tried to pull Duncan back. Wait! Chickpea thought. The gold! The gold in your pocket! Drop it! She shouted. Frantically, Duncan reached into his duster pocket and began to toss out gold coins he had looted. Before they could hit the ground, they flew toward the pillar, and they too stuck fast to the surface. But unlike the guns, the coins began to absorb into the pillar. The red energy around them increased, and a panel on the pillar opened to reveal one red eye. The eye laughed. How the hell does an eye laugh? (laughs) (laughs) All the gold, Chickpea shouted uh, as she tugged at uh, Duncan's duster. That's all I have, he yelled back at her. I'm losing my grip, Fred said as the sleeve of Duncan's duster ripped clean off. Fuck, Sid yelled as the other sleeve of Duncan's duster ripped from his grip. Duncan fell. Uh, He fell forward into the eye. The flamingos stood around horrified. No, Gunk said quietly. Chickpea let out a scream. No, you can't have him, she yelled as she held out her staff. She sent a lightning bolt right at the eye, but it literally didn't even blink. Still dampened, she said. Duncan's body hit the pillar with a bone-snapping crack. He was upside down and his back was stuck to the pillar. He grit his teeth in agony as his ribs ached. His lungs were punctured and he could feel the blood pooling in his throat as he coughed some up. Must be... These damn silver bullets, he said with a laugh. Gotta use them for... For werewolves, Sid asked, knowing (laughs) this was it for Duncan. What? Werewolves are awesome. No, Duncan said, wincing. No, I use them for the tax man. I shoot them (laughs) at him when he comes around. 
if he finds them, well, I paid my taxes. And if he gets hit, well, I paid my taxes. <laughs> Duncan looked at his friends. Promise me you'll take care of them, he said, blood trickling out of his mouth. He forced a bloody tooth smile at Sid. Promise! I, Sid stood there. I, I don't. You have to, Duncan yelled. They need you now. I, I promise, Sid said. Now get the hell out of here, Duncan demanded as he reached up, which for him was down, for one of his pistols that was stuck to the pillar. We have to go now, Fred yelled, pulling on Chickpea and Gunk. Sid, help me get them out, Sid snapped back to reality and began to move toward the staircase upward. Thousands of gold spiders were now marching down the walls and toward them. Run, Fred yelled. Gunk was furiously swinging his axe at spiders, tears in his eyes as he looked back one last time at his best friend. Duncan smiled at him, and his body rose upward toward the eye. Want to see something cool? He yelled to Gunk. (laughs) Always, Gunk said, crying. Duncan slipped a silver bullet into his gun and tried with what strength he had left to aim it, despite the invisible force was pulling on the weapon toward the eye. As Duncan's back reached the orifice of the red eye, his back buckled inward. It was sucking him into somewhere. Gunk let out a painful dwarf yell and was quickly overrun by spiders. He swung and swung until a large hand grabbed him and ripped him out of the spider pile. Let's fucking go, Sid yelled at him. As soon as Duncan saw they had escaped, he looked around the room and surveyed every surface. What angle it was and what metal it was made out of. He did the math quicker than he had ever done before and let loose a silver single bullet. It ricocheted around the room and off panels. Pating, pating, pating. <laughs> Duncan closed his eyes. The bullet ripped through his stomach and into the eye. The eye let out a scream and dropped Duncan. At least, he coughed. There's a silver lining to all this. <laughs> he laughed one last laugh and died. No. <laughs> the room began to shake. The building began to shake. The flamingos ran outward toward the street to find it surrounded by PODs. Most were already running away because they saw some people who could fuck them up, and nothing scares them more than other people. <laughs> <laughs> the flamingos turned around to watch the barracks implode. Not explode, but implode. Red energy shot inward into the crater that used to be the P.O.D. barracks. The remaining P.O.D.s fell to their knees and yelled as red magical mist flowed out of their golden armor. All P.O.D.s and Grawl that were wearing the armor were eaten from the inside, leaving only a burnt skeleton. The flamingos watched in silence as the scream stopped. Everything stopped. Each were crying. Gunk was sobbing and yelling. Chickpea grabbed to hug Fred. Fred held onto her tiny body as tears ran down his cheeks. The end. Oh. oh my god. Rich 2. How could you have done this? Sometimes you gotta kill a character, man. You gotta kill him. I would never. You're lucky I didn't kill more people. True. Yeah. I thought I you thought were gonna kill it. Gunk as well then. I thought I was going Gunk's to Gunk's my too. favorite. How could you even think of killing Gunk? Now that I've said yeah. that, he will. But I went to the mall and I did a survey and said, what do you guys think if I kill Gunk? And everyone was thoroughly against it. Yeah. Also, they like Cocoa Puffs the best. <laughs> that story, these last two stories have really like opened up a new like venue for you as a writer, I think. Mm. Like... like like a like a, a genuine heartfelt part of a story mm. that uh, amidst all the hilarity and hijinks, yep. I agree. That's my favorite thing is to like 
it's so dumb, but at the same time, it can be not dumb. Yeah, right? like pathos and laughter can go together really easily. Yeah, it's great when it does. Yeah, I don't know. Can't Thank believe you, you killed Duncan, you fucker. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, it happens. You get the band back together. Someone's got to die because you're writing too many characters. True. I can't keep up with all these people. I always pictured Duncan looking like... This is so stupid. I always pictured Duncan looking like Macbeth from Gargoyles, except with black hair and beard. <laughs> is Macbeth the bad guy? Yes. <laughs> it's uh, fucking... What's his name, right? What Riker. Yeah, Frakes. No, Xanatos uh, is Oh, no, Xanatos is Frakes, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, Macbeth is the actual historical Macbeth who lives <laughs> forever. <laughs> But he has like uh, like a action uh, sneaking suit thing with a trench coat over top of it, as does Macbeth in the story. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but does he gargoyle and gargoyle? That's, that's the real question. Look it up. He does. Look, yeah, I can see that. He looks like that. Not I anymore. picture more like a, um, like a Jared Leto, but not as like pretty. Oh. So Morbius. <laughs> Well, if he's Morbius, he survived that then, so it's fine. (laughs) Maybe I only think that because he joined that sex cult that one time, but that's a backstory that you guys don't know about. Mm. Oh, wait. (laughs) No, we'll never know. Um, We'll never know. Macbeth is John Reese davis Oh, Oh my God. God, that cartoon had an all-star cast. Dude, what the fuck is going on with that cartoon, man? It's so good. What was I watching the other day? And I was like, there's so many voices in this. I forget what it was. Oh, Justice League. Yeah, oh, yeah Justice League. And, and it's, there's so many fucking people in that. The whole fucking the, cast of Firefly are in it. Yeah. The thing, uh, that always, like, the thing that always shocks me about the Justice League cartoon is they'll have like a one-off character in like a one episode that you're never going to see again, and they're voiced by someone you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, there's this dude whose powers I always thought was cool. In like the flashback, they go like back to the past and meet the not justice society. Yeah, yeah, yeah clear yeah. it. This dude yeah. named Tom Turbine. Yeah, yeah. And he's voiced by Ed McGinley. Yeah, who it was yeah. Jefferson on um, Married with Children. Oh, that's him. Yeah. yeah, I was like, why did they get an, an like a named actor to play this character who's in one episode? Oh, that's the one where that kid is in, like, imagining yeah, it the yeah. whole time. That's yeah, one of my favorite mutated. episodes. That's a good one. It's I think it's Twilight really fun. fucking funny when, like, the other guy is, like, working with uh, a Green Lantern, and he's like, you're a yeah. credit to your race. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're Green a credit to like, your people, son. Yes. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> um, okay. it, I like that episode because it's a... Uh, um, you know, a Flash and GL episode, but it's different yeah. Flash and GL than we're used to in the mm-hmm. comics teaming up. It's a good, it's a good odd, odd buddy cop movie, that one. It is. They work really well in that way. Yeah. Um, I love the one where Flash goes, it's like Flash Day in Central City, and he's getting like a museum named after him or something. Yeah. And and he goes to the bar to bust that one villain. And, oh, the and trickster! He's like, yeah, he's like, are you Mark off Hamill. your meds again? <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, like I okay, don't well, need when him. you're done, 
when you're done your drink, go turn yourself in. He's like, got me again, Flash. I love that. So it's Mark Hamill too. It like, highlights yeah. the perfect difference between Flash and his and and other heroes. Yeah. Well, um, Batman would have like thrown him off Fla- a roof. Like, Flash is almost friends with his Rhodes. Yeah. 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 And Hamill was trickster in um, the Flash TV movie, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, he was. And I think he's the trickster in the the newer Flash Flash series that just ended. He's just like an old trickster. Yeah, that's cool. He's in that um, that show like about the Knights Templar on Netflix that was on on during the pandemic and they got canceled because nobody was paying attention to it. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and he's like fucking awesome. He basically is like what Luke Skywalker should have been in, oh, like, yeah. episode eight. He just wrecks people. Like, it's crazy. That There's a part where out. he drags his sword across, like, the like the ground, and it's sparking, and it's very Star Wars. Mm. It's like, these dudes really wanted to make Star yeah. Wars. They <laughs> run him in for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I can't watch Mark Hamill now without, like, he's become far less Luke Skywalker as he gets older and far yeah. more Joker. Like, his oh, voice yeah. sounds yeah. like the joke. He's now. so good at playing a villain. Though. Yeah, he's great. Like, That's not yeah. what this show's about, but... No, excellent <laughs> story, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that story really fucking ruled, even though it did break my heart. Yeah, it was a good Look. heist movie. Yeah, I was, what was I watching? And I was like, oh, I want to do a heist movie. I forget. Oceans? I've been watching a bunch of shit. No. Sperminator. Oceans? <laughs> Sperminator 1, that's what it was. <laughs> What was it? Was Co- Crocodile cum D. <laughs> Crocodildo cum D. <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> it's, it's something. <laughs> I said oh, what man. I said. <laughs> You're too kind. So uh, I'm going to ask a question, Josh. Do you know you've got three episodes left? Do you know where you're going? I don't want to say. <laughs> okay. You don't want to say if you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you you might want to change it. I yeah I don't I I don't I do but I don't oh, right. like there's we could go. Oh, a I'm couple kind of, of I'm kind of in a similar boat really. Yeah yeah. I only ask because I'm a massive geek and have already written my last episode. Yeah, you're like the fucking like golden boy of the show. Well, we know. Yeah. The only reason is I I wrote my I wrote my finale episode like. Probably a couple of months ago, because then it's Jesus. easier for me to get there if I've got like oh, a really, str- like if I've got a really dependent narrative, right? It's easier to go halfway and then write your end. That's what I do when I wrote my book. I wrote- you know they don't give you anything for a perfect attendance. I know, right? I know. <laughs> it just—it's the only way my brain works. Like you get halfway, you do halfway. I'm just race, jealous. Yeah, there's a jealousy element to why line. we're treating you like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just jealous because it's like 9:30 on Sunday, and I'm yeah. like, guess I'll start thinking about a story. <laughs> I think that shows in my story that I did that this time. We'll see. <laughs> oh, no, no. All right, gang, we're gonna take a break, so we'll be right back. Five minutes before we started recording again. Damn, we're we need on. a producer to keep us on. <laughs> yeah, track. we really do, man. 
spent about so ten hungry, minutes man. talking about curry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was good convo, but yeah, now good. I'm hungry. I'm yeah. starving. Now we're grumpy. I'm cranky. Yeah, I'm cranky. Getting hangry. Uh, yeah. So, our second tale of pacts and sacrifices is brought to you by Mr. Jeff Pennington. Oh, thank you. Um, so we're we're headed towards the grand finale mm. of Story Lords. We've been following the story of our heroes on their way to Whitesville, Connecticut to shut down the end of the world that a cult is putting on. Let no, it happen. No small task, then. So today's story is called The Candle Cousins <laughs> and Ritual on Route 60. <laughs> Yay! The wind rustled through the leaves scattered across the blacktop and pavement outside the Motel 6 on Route 60 near Huntington, West Virginia. I know it well. (laughs) The dingy two-story building was ringed by bent old metal railings, had mostly cracked windows, and was only identified by an old rusted sign that was slowly swinging in the breeze, whining with an old hollow metallic squeal with every sway. Mm, Diegetic sound in your story. Yep. The sun had set behind the rolling mountains, and the opaque blue tinge of night had just washed over the woodlands that could be seen as far as one could look in every direction, besides up and down the lone stretch of highway that bisected it. The serene sound of crickets chirped, (gasps) night birds called in the distance, and frogs riveted their love song into the cooling night air, and not a sound could be heard outside of the calmness of oncoming night. This fucking blows shit, (laughs) Chris groaned out loud, kicking the metal railing with her gigantic black combat boots with that weird pleather finish all Hot Topic Mm -hmm. shit has. Yeah, what's up with that? The sound of the metal shaking could be heard echoing off the mountains in every direction. This inbred backwoods-ass motel is gonna get us chainsawed by mountain freaks, and it didn't even have the courtesy to play dueling banjos first. (laughs) Chris, you're going to get us in trouble. Grandpa Big Mike brought us on this trip with Aunt Lorraine to see the Statue of Liberty out of the kindness of his heart. Grandpa Big Mike. Mike. (laughs) Don't you want to see the majesty of Lady Liberty, bastion of freedom and democracy, as she's perched above the drug den of violent rats and godless sinners that's New York City? (laughs) Perched above it. It's like off to the side. (laughs) Peggy hoarsely whispered in that way that people with no inside voice whisper where it's just talking normally but with an extremely (laughs) annoying pretend whisper tone over it. Damn. Chris sat back down on the metal grated steps that had led them up to their single second room for four fucking people. Great planning, Aunt Lorraine. How many adult juices did you smash before teaching at Sunday school before you decided on that one? Oh, the three parts of the Holy Trinity? Glug, glug, and glug, right, Lorraine? Yeah! Take that, Lorraine. Grandpa Big Mike fought in the war, but for the other side, Chris said. Which what? war? Which side? What war? Which, which war? Peggy asked earnestly. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Why do you say stuff like that? Peggy demanded, placing her hands on the hips of her overalls, which happened to be covered in sparkly Lisa Frank stickers and iron-on Bible camp award patches that said things like, Most heathens converted, nice. or most Bible verses proselytized to minorities per minute. <laughs> That's a big sticker. 
Because it's rad, Chris said, not even paying attention to what was going on anymore as she fiddled with her phone. Ugh, there's no signal here. This place is duckscent as fuckscent. (laughs) I can't believe Lorraine dragged us out here with wrinkly-ass old war criminal Grandpa Big Mike. (laughs) He's a war criminal. He's not a war criminal. He was never tried, Peggy yelled out. (laughs) Her voice echoing off the mountains that surrounded the valley the motel was situated in. She shot upright and placed her hand over her mouth in shock at her own voice. Oh no, it's ungodly for a woman to speak loud enough to be heard. (laughs) God, I wish I was literally anywhere but hair. I'd love to drink a delicious beer of any kind, which I drink all the time, because beer is awesome and what we love to drink. Yep. Chris said with a wry smirk, pausing for a moment to look out of the corner of her makeup pancaked eyes to see Peggy's reaction. (laughs) When none came because Peggy was contemplating how to make it up to Jesus that she had an opinion as both a female and a child... Damn. Chris immediately blurted out, us as in cool kids, like adults like me... I'm not a lame little kid like you. (laughs) Do you think Jesus forgives people? They didn't mention that in church. (laughs) I know he loves guns and supports George W. Bush, but... Peggy trailed off. George W., what year is this? Oh, you can tell what year this is. (laughs) Before Chris had the opportunity to snap at her, the tension in the air was broken by the ringing of a telephone. Both cousins looked at each other, equally startled, but Chris immediately settled back into her practiced air of cynical stoicism. (laughs) Peggy whipped her head around in the direction the ring was coming from, and her eyes immediately landed on room 13. Isn't that the room that... They say that room's been haunted some 15 (laughs) years now! Both girls whipped around with wide eyes, Chris letting out a little yelp of surprise at the sudden, booming vocal intrusion. Standing in the center of the landing behind them was a man in his mid-fifties, wearing a pair of stained blue overalls and leaning on the end of a mop handle whose head was soaking in a yellow bucket with little wheels on it. You know, a janitor. You've seen the type. seen the type. There was a full ten seconds of silence as the girls stared at the janitor silently. Chris finally coughed in her hand. A man died in that room violently, they say. Got stabbed by a jilted lover. They say his spirit clings to that room hoping for bloody vengeance against any woman steps foot inside. I just picture this as Jeff. This guy's... (laughs) (laughs) That's me, mid-50s janitor. (laughs) You know the type. Who in the fuck are you even? Chris finally yelled out, standing up from her seated position on the steps to stand between the man and Peggy protectively. Janitor, he said plainly, turning and pushing his bucket down the landing towards the other end of the building. Do you think he was telling the truth? Peggy spoke up first, watching as the man turned the corner at the end of the landing and disappeared. Yeah, I mean, like, who would pretend to be a janitor at a Motel 6? That's way too fucking sad. There's, like, no motivation in it, Chris said matter-of-factly. No, dingus! I mean, about the ghost in room 13. Peggy pointed to the old rusty placard hanging on the wall next to the door across from them, emblazoned with the number 13 on it. The phone inside had never stopped ringing this entire time. A steady, bleeding ring. 
a moment of silence, and another, piercing the tranquility of the night that neither of these annoying-ass fucking kids seem to care about. <laughs> Th- sorry, I, I said the D word. How the fuck should I know? People die in motels all the time. <laughs> Chris looked at her phone and began to angrily press buttons and shake it a little as she spoke, half paying attention. People go to motels to bone down and die. I can only hope Grandpa Big Mike brought us here to die. <laughs> what does bone down mean? Peggy asked. Thankfully, just then, both girls noticed a small bit of greenish light escaping Peggy's backpack, which she'd left propped against the motel room door they were staying in. They exchanged glances for a moment before Peggy leapt for the backpack with a huge smile on her braced face. She yanked up the pack and unzipped it with a hurried yank, diving an arm in and returning with her intended quarry, a wide green candle placed inside of a flat gold candle holder with a long curved handle. The short wick at the end was already slowly burning with an eerie, otherworldly green flame, which danced and tucked into itself, completely independent of the wind. It's lit? Chris asked with a raised eyebrow. Oh shit, wait! It's lit! I gotta get on live journal and blog that. It's gonna catch on like wildfire. Yep. It's like it's really cool, but like a billion times fucking memeier. They're gonna love it. On oh my god, Chris looked at the bars on her. <laughs> Chris looked at the bars on her phone and kicked the metal railing again, sending birds flying out of the trees nearby. Fuck! I forgot. There's no signal. No, I'm never gonna get to be big shit on the internet. <laughs> There must be a spirit nearby, Peggy whispered, completely ignoring whatever the fuck Chris was on about this whole time. (laughs) She turned her eyes to room 13 and then back to Chris with a wide, metal-studded smile. Come on, this looks like a mystery for the Candle Cousins. (laughs) Look, I'm not playing along this time. You go try and help a dude who died with his dick out make it to heaven. (laughs) I'm going to go try to find a place to bury myself alive to escape existence without internet. Same. And also existence in general, because that's what we do. Same. Chris turned to walk away, but stopped and turned back. We as in cool people, like me. (laughs) I'm cool. Then she turned and walked back into their shared hotel room. (laughs) We made a pact when Grandma died, Chris! Peggy called after but the only sound she heard in return was the booming, raging voice of Grandpa Big Mike as his mind continued slipping into dementia. (laughs) Oh my god. Shut the damn door! The Viet Cong will see the TV light! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, Grandpa Big Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, Grandpa Big Mike, calm down. Chris' voice followed. Don't talk back to your grandpa, Christine! An older female voice cried out as the door began to close. Oh, God. Blow it out your ass, Aunt Lorraine. (laughs) I know about your special friend at the women's club. Just accept who you are already. It's the new millennium. Chris screamed back as the door finally shut. This is hitting a little too close to home. (laughs) Peggy soon found that room 13's door was unlocked because it needs to be for this story to continue. (laughs) She pushed it open slowly and nervously and was immediately surprised to find that the lamp next to the ringing telephone across the room was on. It glowed with a small hum, like an incandescent bulb left one for far too long, but the blaring sound of the phone ringing did well to mask it with every chime. 
She cautiously walked across the otherwise pitch black room. Her hand unsteady as she held the candle aloft in front of her to light her steps. The floor was sticky beneath her keds, but that wasn't <laughs> shocking. It was a motel, after all. Being True. caked with decades worth of piss and jizz was par for the course. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say on Motel 6. We'll leave the piss and jizz on. <laughs> this uh, episode sponsored by Motel 6. <laughs> Finally, she slid her hand around the receiver and lifted it from its perch. She slowly drew it up to her ear and swallowed hard to steady her voice. Hello? She managed to drag out. There was a moment of silence that hurt her ear for some strange reason, and then a loud, harsh click before a voice came on the line. Good evening, miss. I apologize for calling at such a late hour, but I believe there's something you can help me with. The voice on the other line was smooth and deep, with a noticeable southern drawl that was hard to pinpoint the origin to. I imagine this guy is Jeff. <laughs> um, who may I ask is calling? This is a vacant room. Peggy hoarsely responded, her eyes constantly darting to, af- to and fro in the darkness of the room. Consider me a concerned citizen. I understand you deal with the paranormal quite regularly, so I'm calling upon your expertise on a matter at hand where you're currently staying. (laughs) Wait, you know who I am? How do you know me? What I do? (laughs) Peggy was suddenly very much regretting not trying harder to get Chris to come along. More of her unshakable self-confidence tied up in their partnership than she'd like to admit, even to herself. I suppose your reputation precedes you. Unfortunately, there is a rather unsavory ritual being performed in the woods across the road from where you're staying. There is a spirit there in need of absolution. I believe that falls squarely within your wheelhouse. Hmm. You're not answering me! Who are you and how do you know who I am? Peggy was getting a little frantic at this point, holding the candle up higher to better light the room around her. The dancing flame casting moving light in every direction was doing nothing to assuage her mounting fear. Hmm. I'm sure you'll do the right thing. Click. The voice on the other end of the line was gone, and the connection was dead. It's Mothman! Peggy held the phone to her ear in silence for just long enough for the cacophonous repeating tone to let her know the call was over, whether she liked it or not. (laughs) She hurried out of the room as quickly as she could, somehow so shaken that she couldn't even be bothered to be afraid if someone was in the room behind her or not. When she stepped out of the door into the freshly lit halogen lights that lined the front of the motel, she was instantly greeted by the sullen, pallid feature of her cousin Chris, who stood with her arms crossed and her back against the metal railing. Who was it, anyway? The Mothman calling about a bridge? (laughs) She said with a rueful grin. There was a man on the phone, Peggy said with a long glance over her shoulder, rubbing the arm the handle was holding at its end with her other hand idly. He seemed to know who I am. Maybe about the candle? He said he knew I dealt in paranormal stuff, and there was this something going on across the road over there. She stopped her sentence dead as she pointed across the road. Chris turned her eyes to follow where she had pointed. Standing on the other side of the two lanes of Route 60 was a young boy wearing a long-sleeved striped shirt and a pair of khaki shorts. But the most obviously noticeable thing about him was the fact that he was glowing from head to toe mm. in an unnatural hazy blue. 
His body drifted and wafted in the air as he stood in place, like the reflection of a person in murky water. He was staring directly up at them where he stood. Peggy slowly raised a hand in the air to wave down to the boy. Chris looked at her with apprehension, but then turned and raised her hand up in the air to wave as well. The glowing boy raised his own hand, but not in a wave, but in a beckoning gesture, motioning for the two of them to come down to him. Do it. Go in there. Do it. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. Who's brain dead enough to come down when a child ghost waves them over? Chris snorted, shaking her head. Wait. There was another moment of silence. You're not even standing there anymore, are you? <laughs> oh my god, we just outed ourselves as witch candle cousin we were, yep. Josh. Yup. Peggy was already racing down the stairs when Chris finally turned to look. <laughs> Peggy was headed out across the parking lot and towards the road. Chris sighed a heaving, pained sigh from the very bottom of her being. You dumb bitch. <laughs> By the time Chris had caught up, both girls were now standing on the other side of the road, right in front of the ghostly apparition of a young boy. The boy held his hand up and opened his mouth, a horrific, low, rumbling growl escaping him instead of any words, causing both gr girls to recoil away from him in shock. The sound was guttural and unnatural and seemed to cause something inside each of them to curl inward for protection. <laughs> oh, sorry, I guess that's, I guess that's what ghost sounds like. I don't fucking know. I just died like 20 minutes ago or something. <laughs> Shit's wild out here, man. The, the boy said much more plainly, shoving his ghost hands into the pockets of his ghost khakis. <laughs> Does die too? The candle cousins exchanged awkward glances and then returned their stare to the boy. Oh shit, sorry. I guess where's my manners? My name's Dusty Peterson. I just got <laughs> stabbed to death by some fucking weirdo in the woods right down there. He pointed back over the side of the railing and down the hill towards the tree line. Me and my girlfriend Rita were finally going to kiss our genitals together like in those movies my dad likes. Bumping up. Terminator 1. <laughs> But some big old boy hopped out of the underbrush and poked me full of holes before I could poke her full of holes if you catch my drift. Jesus, wow. he does not know how to have no, sex. we don't I, catch a drift. No. I don't really know how sex works. <laughs> Guess I never will now. <laughs> um, he died never having scored. <laughs> here lies Dusty Peterson. He never scored. <laughs> he never scored, yeah. Um, I'm Peggy. This is my cousin Chris. Peggy said absently, scratching at the back of her head. Oh, pleasure to meet you. Could one of you do me a quick favor, maybe? Dusty rocked back and forth on his heels, glancing back over the railing. Uh, what? Chris said, contorting <laughs> her features up in disgust at the possibility of having to explain sex to a dead virgin. <laughs> oh, nothing untoward. I'd just like you to go and rescue my girlfriend, Rita. I think the two guys that grabbed her were going to do some kind of uh, satanic ritual on her or something. Because they were both wearing robes and hoods and whatnot. He paused for a oh, moment. No. Not like not like white ones or nothing, even okay. though this is kind of the area for that kind of... <laughs> uh, look, it's a cult thing, I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> so is the other one. <laughs> Um, well, Peggy leaned over the railing to look down into the pitch black forest below. The only light she could see beyond the scope of the halogen lighting of the motel were the flittering fireflies in the tall grass and amongst the low trees. When she turned back to speak to Dusty, however, he was gone. 
when did he... What? Chris looked up from her phone and then looked around with a little confusion on her pallid features. Wait, did he leave? <laughs> I found I found Snake on my phone, and it's actually not bad when you got nothing else to do. <laughs> Damn, that's she, boredom. She immediately ducked her head back down and began to twiddle her thumbs over the screen, her dull expression perfectly lit by its backlighting. <laughs> Could you please take this seriously? Peggy asked with frustration in her voice. This one seemed chill. I didn't think he'd mind, Chris said with a heavy shrug. She rolled her eyes and tucked her phone back into her front pocket. Ugh, fine. You're such a fucking Melvin, though. (laughs) Melvin? What is this? Everything's about ghosts with you. It's like, get a hobby or something. (laughs) Flash forward. Oh, shit. The two of them had been traipsing through the underbrush for 20 minutes at this point. The full moon overhead was lighting the way through the trees well enough, but Peggy still had her backpack with her, which meant she had her trusty ghost hunting equipment, including her powerful flashlight, which was bobbing up and down, illuminating the almost non-existent path in front of them. Is it really smart to have a flashlight out when you're looking for a murderer? Chris asked flatly. Good question. Following along a few steps behind and ruining the fact she was still wearing all that pleather and faux flannel on such a muggy-ass night. (laughs) At least she was dressed rad and would never look back on this in 20 years and cringe her fucking soul out of her asshole at the very (laughs) thought she ever decided this looked good. Damn. No, there'd be no laying awake at night in disgust for her, her fashion choices for this epic winner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peggy said quietly and then flicked off the flashlight about 20 minutes too late. Aww. She tucked it back into her bag and held up the green, softly burning candle into the night's air instead. She didn't seem to notice that it was also putting out light. <laughs> Finally, the duo came to the edge of a clearing, and the high moon in the sky lit it out perfectly enough for them to see the scene before them with unclouded eyes, though they may have wished to the contrary. In the center of the field, a large stone was positioned, and tied down onto it by chains and spikes driven directly into the rock was a young girl wearing a long white tank top and a pair of jean shorts. Her mouth was covered by a piece of red fabric, and her eyes were widened in terror as she stared up at her captor above her. A small man stood next to her, one knee up on the rock and one hand holding onto a gigantic gold-wreathed book, which he was feverishly reading out of out loud, some kind of language that neither Candle Cousin could recognize. He was wearing a large pointed hood and robes, both in red ringed with white at the sleeves, with an etching of an eye on the forehead of it. In his other hand, he raised a red-stained dagger up to the sky as he chanted. Both girls recoiled from the sight, but both had to work really hard not to scream at what they saw next. A bloody, dripping, flayed corpse dangling from a tree branch near where the man held the girl captive. It was so desiccated and rended that it was hard to make out much about it, but the pile of organs laying on the ground underneath it told the story of the horrors it had gone through to get there. Could you see the peener? <laughs> but it was but it was obviously looking at it. It was obvious looking at it. Long sleeve shirt, khaki shorts. It was Dustin Dusty Diamond. It was Dusty Peterson's body. <laughs> Dusty Diamond. Perhaps you would like a closer look. 
Both girls screamed bloody murder as the gigantic man appeared out of the darkness between them, his massive hands clasping onto the back of their shirts and yanking them up into the air with absolute ease. He walked with them like someone carrying groceries from the underbush, his long red and white robe dragging through the foliage with some difficulty. Santa Claus. They continued to scream as he threw them down back into the ground near the rock at the center of the field, both recoiling away as best they could from both robed men. We are gifted with visitors, I see, the smaller man said, his voice gleeful. Indeed, the larger man said with a deep gravelly baritone. An abundance of riches upon the night of our first baptism, the smaller man returned. The two girls managed to stop screaming by this point, though each had a mind racing a million miles a second through every scenario they could conjure of the horrors they were experiencing. Somehow, the horrors of spirits, specters, and haunts didn't ever seem this real. <laughs> you see, ladies, our ascension requires a sacrifice. The blood does not flow through the veins in the sky until it flows openly on the ground. That old saying. <laughs> the smaller man said, twisting the jagged dagger he held in his hand around in the pale moonlight, the red tinge of blood shimmering. The larger man folded his arms over his chest and said nothing, looming over them with malice. Y'all about beat all, you know that? <laughs> the two robed men spun around, their open hoods facing the eerie blue light of Dusty Peterson's ghost standing at the other end of the clearing, shaking his head. <laughs> Y'all kill a body and then leave him scattered up all over the field in little bits. Then you try to entertain lady folk for the evening without even cleaning up? That's just unmannerly. At least have the dog eat the body up like a civilized person. Maybe feed him to the pigs. Yeah. The large man reached into his robes and pulled out a huge pistol, which he instantly opened fire with. The cracking of each gunshot echoed into eternity off the surrounding mountains, but Dusty Peterson didn't move. His hands shoved into his ethereal khakis like a preppy <laughs> hick Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> Peggy and Chris exchanged terrified glances, but the sight of one another calmed the burning fear within their chests. They nodded and split off in two directions, understanding the assignment, crawling through the high grass as fast as they could manage. Peggy went straight for the girl tied to the rock. Rita was her name, she thought. She moved past the smaller man through the weeds as quietly as she could go as he ran across the field to join his comrade in their assault on their unwanted ghostly guest. <laughs> she guessed neither of them knew what a ghost was or something, because why would you shoot bullets at it? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's like those guys who always shoot at Superman, and then when the bullets run out, they throw the gun at him. That was always <laughs> funny. Anyway, back to business. <laughs> She was on top of the rock and yanking as hard as she could at the chains and pythons that pinned the girl to the stone, grasping onto them and leaning all of her weight back over the side of the rock and then pulling with all of her might. She was like 95 pounds soaking wet, though, so nothing was budging in the slightest, no matter how much she pulled. Her heart was in her throat every time she glanced over at the two grown men intent on their murder, intent on leaving them as ripped apart as Dusty's body. At the same time, all of this was running through Peggy's mind like a hot iron. Chris picked up a log from the ground as big as she could manage given her age and size and bashed it as hard as she possibly could into the back of the larger man's head. Yeah. 
The log splintered in the dust at the moment of contact, and the large man simply turned and looked at her, completely unmoved. Peggy was overwhelmed with complete astonishment that this is what Chris thought the plan was. (laughs) (laughs) This was a level of secondhand embarrassment that no human being had ever experienced before, she was pretty sure. (laughs) That, mixed with the primal terror, was a weird-ass cocktail of emotions, to say the least. (laughs) Chris screamed at the top of her lungs, turned, and ran full tilt back across the field towards the woods where they'd come from. She didn't even look back. That's cold as fucking ice. Damn. (laughs) Later, cousin. Peggy's weight and struggling finally loosed one of the pythons holding the chains to the rock, and she came crashing down onto the ground beside it. Rita yanked her body free on that side and had uh, been that had been jostled apart and tumbled down onto the ground next to Peggy in a heap. The bullets having no effect on Dusty and the sound of the python ripping from the rock both drew the two-headed figures away from their assault. The larger man threw his pistol onto the ground and reached inside of his robes, returning with a woodsman's axe grasped firmly in his fist. The shorter man brandished his bloody dagger and both began to run back towards the gigantic boulder at the center of the clearing they had lashed Rita to for sacrifice. (laughs) They were screaming hateful words, but none of them registered in the cacophony. But all of that would have been put to a stop almost immediately right then. The ghost boy at one side of the field reared his body up and screeched into the night, the air behind him beginning to spiral and spin in on itself. His body contorted and elongated, and the space behind him began creating what looked like a vortex into the very night he stood. What? It swirled and ebbed and grew deeper and deeper still, drilling into the very fabric of reality. The air within the vortex began to congeal into an inky black and a cold, haunting white, spinning inwards into an abyss beyond its apex. (gasps) The two hooded men stared in horror, their faces still hidden, but their body language screaming terror. Peggy took the opportunity, snatched Rita's hand, and pulled her to her feet, both of them running as fast as they could across the field towards the wood's edge. Chris, for her part, had not just run the fuck away when the option presented itself to leave her cousin to die by ritual sacrifice, (laughs) and was motioning for them at the far side of the clearing. The three of them met up there and dove into the bushes at its edge, disappearing into the other side of the night. Just kidding, I don't know how to do any of that. That's probably like advanced ghost stuff or something. The ghost of Dusty said plainly, the vortex behind him disappearing instantaneously. What the fuck? The still breeze of the night replaced all of his horrendous loudness as the only sound audible for a silent, calm moment. He chuckled softly. Anyway, fucked you two morons playing up good and plenty, so I'm happy to move on now. Y'all suck my big old spectral ghost dick while you're at it. Bye! And with that, he vanished into thin air. It's that easy to move on. The two men exchanged glances from under their hoods and then looked back at the stone they were meant to sacrifice a young woman on. The smaller man shook his head, walking slowly over to it and placing a hand on the cold, empty rock. He glanced up at the moon hanging low in the sky, then back to his larger compatriot. There was a tense moment of quiet between the two before the smaller man broke it. Quite vexing, Mr. Nero. (laughs) The larger man nodded in agreement. Quite vexing indeed, Mr. Cornwallis. (laughs) The three girls didn't stop running. Heaving breaths, heavy footfalls, a dozen or so horror movie trips for dramatic effect. (laughs) 
a quick stop at the 7-Eleven for some Slurpees and a rotating microwave hot dog. Oh, God. Nothing could stop their flight for safety. Along the way, they passed a beat-up old Ford F-150 sitting next to the road, the lights inside on, and the radio lightly playing some old country standard into the open night thanks to its windows being rolled down. It had all the earmarks of being a sanctuary amidst the horror, and they almost ran up to it for help, but were stopped cold in their tracks when, on the side of the red truck, they saw the same eyeball symbol from the Mm -hmm. two men's hoods etched into the side of the bed, underneath an old rusty sign for Matheson Repair Services. They crouched and moved as fast as they could around it, terrified that they would be seen. But nothing ever moved from the truck. Nothing ever stirred in that terrifying night for them again. They ran on until they were safely tucked behind the Motel 6, away from the road and away from prying eyes. They all leaned heavily against the wall, puffing and panting and trying to catch their breath for a long while. Rita eyed the two girls with confusion and suspicion, but could not speak without air in her lungs, so they all had to wait. Finally, she coughed once or twice, then spoke. How did you... how could you have... Peggy reached into her backpack and returned with the wide green candle upon its golden stand, holding it up to the light. The flickering green flame at the end of its wick slowly faded and then fizzled out completely in the air. There was a sound of exhalation upon the wind, and then a stillness in the air. Peggy looked at the candle for a moment and then smiled, sharing a look of relief with Chris. Okay, that doesn't fucking tell me a goddamn thing. That's a candle. (laughs) What is going on? Rita asked with growing panic in her voice. Don't worry, Chris said with a heaving sigh of relief and a genuine, satisfied smile on her face for the first time, looking at Peggy. The Kendall cousins did what they do best. (laughs) Peggy returned the smile and gave a big thumbs up in return. What the fuck does that even mean? Please! Rita screamed into the night. The Kendall cousins bumped fists. Another job well done. The end. (laughs) All right. I'm never listening to you ever again when you say your stories yeah. aren't funny. <laughs> You're full of shit. You're I guess I was, it was too late for me to laugh at my own jokes or something. Yeah, when I was well, writing you, it. that's the thing, right? Like you, yeah. It's hard to make yourself laugh. Um, it's weird that uh, normally what happens is you, uh, and I know you why you do this because it's hard to maintain your. Um, tension when you are trying to do jokes at the same time so what you normally do mm-hmm. is you front load your episode right you front yeah. load your story yeah. yes and then you build tension and build tension and build tension i think what candle cousins allows you to do is throw that formula out the window yeah. and make jokes whenever yeah yep. candle cousins is the is some of the easiest to write because yeah. peggy and chris have such strong personalities yeah, yeah. And I can just do jokes the whole time. Like, I can have horror bits happen in between, but I don't have to maintain any tension. Yeah, they're just funny all the time, even when they're scared. Even when they're not trying to be funny, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Bringing out the candle and then (laughs) being like, this doesn't fucking explain anything. (laughs) Job well done. (laughs) This is so good. Uh, This was inspired by, I read a lot of comics growing up, right? But Mm -hmm. I didn't have enough money to get everything that was coming out at the time. Mm. So whenever DC or Marvel did these giant crossover events that went through all of the comics... 
whatever comic I was reading would have one issue where like this weird fucking thing yeah. happened that was yeah. never explained, yeah. and then to tie into that. And this is the tie-in issue of Candle Cousins for yeah. the crossover event. Yeah. I'm glad Marvel and DC stopped doing that. Oh, wait. No, they fucking Oh, wait. Do they it. still uh, do that. Uh, so this is, I don't know, kind of a part of a flashback, not origin story for Nero, Mr. Nero and Mr. Yeah. Cornwallis. Well, you've said that like they've tried this, the, they've tried this before a number of times, right? Yes. This could have been the stalled start of another attempt, right? Yeah, indeed. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, this was perfect. the very first step towards creating the Blood Moon, and it failed mm-hmm. because two little girls showed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good, man. That's really thank you so much. I love the Candle Cousins. Yeah, they're good. I, I, I feel like you pop up Uncle Big Stuff. Yeah, for Big Steve. Like Grandpa Big Mike. <laughs> Big Mike. Not a war criminal. Not a war criminal. He was never tried. (laughs) Well, the thing is, if he fought on the wrong side and he was in the Vietnam War, if he fought for the Americans, he was on the wrong side. He was on the wrong side. (laughs) This is true. Um, I I just love writing Chris tormenting Peggy for no reason. Yeah. (laughs) I love that very much. Yeah. That's That's what, like, cousins do to each other, right? Yeah. You're like, uh, you're like brothers that can go home afterward. <laughs> so you can really fuck with each other. There are no consequences you have to yeah. live with for days afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you're not living with someone like gonna assassinate you the night after yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, and you know I, the I next definitely... time you meet, you're gonna yeah. be back to normal. Yes. Yep. I definitely feel like the two things I write that could be their own thing. If I wanted to spin them off, or Adam Frankenstein, Frankenstein like Frankenstein yeah. PI and Candle Cousins. Yeah, absolutely. You could have a. It could be a spoof Scooby Doo, the Candle Cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're very much a um, Hardy Boys, uh, yeah. Jessica Drew, uh, plus. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? Venture Brothers yeah. kids. Yeah, yes. venture very Venture Brothers. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, I do love Venture Brothers. There's yeah. pr- there's definitely a little bit in there whether I want it or not because I'm so ignore me. That giant robot. Man, good job. Uh, good Thank stuff. you. And to answer the question earlier, the Candle Cousins take place sometime between 2002 and 2006. Yeah. <laughs> The, oh, she would the have golden been lit. Yeah, the golden. That's right. Like the, that's why Chris is emo. That's yeah. the golden years of emo. Yeah. Well, it's back again, so it could True. be now. She's definitely got a fair few Jack Skellington t-shirts in her closet. Oh, absolutely. God. Oh my god. No doubt. It's her favorite no, movie. Jack she's seen not once. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little like. Uh, disclaimer thing like hey if you're a dumb dumb and you haven't listened to any of these previously you're probably like what the fuck is Jeff writing right now mm-hmm. all you need it's to know is fault. that they used to solve mysteries together happily but then Chris discovered uh, Faith No More <laughs> and everything went to shit Faith No More <laughs> I mean if you're listening to this episode first then I mean turn off now because my story you're not going to get either so. no <laughs> there's no getting these stories now if it you... also just started storming here so I oh. might not get your story <laughs> what? What ha- that's what happened last time you you dissed Worf from Star Trek and then you yeah. turned the weather system off 
Yeah, he turned off. He turned off the weather system. <laughs> he fucked up Riza, which I'm on. <laughs> definitely live on Riza. Man, oh, Philly man, metro oh. area equals Riza. <laughs> uh, aliens, take me to Riza now. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'd just go with Rachel. I wouldn't even need to have sex with anyone else. I just don't want to be on this planet anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a paradise planet, not just because you could get uh, fucked however yeah. you want. I want to go but and that's swim in the ocean every it. day. Yeah. Dude, I'd oh. buy like several Horgons. Mm-hmm. Have them hanging from your belt like um, yeah. Viet Cong ears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn. Oh, wow. It's dark. That might that have was... to be edited out. I don't know. Wait, look. The Uncle Big Mike... Uh, Grandpa Big Grandpa Mike. Big Mike. He's, he's a very important character in my Papa lore. Papa Big Stuff, Uncle Mike. <laughs> he's definitely got some ears. Grandpa yeah, Big Mike is the most important character in my lore right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually Adam Frankenstein. Dude, I that would be fucked up. <laughs> that would be fucked up. <laughs> right, should we take a break and then we'll be back for part three? Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Well, then we're going to do that. Bye.
Lord Pennington, Lord Masters. <laughs> That's all we do all day is sit in like a triangle of our yeah. like lounge chairs and our yeah. smoking jackets. Mm-hmm. I was picturing like giant fucking like Saruman thrones. They're just on a oh, giant yeah. stone slab facing you were each going other. Like, Full Klingon, right? Like, yes. Like we're wearing like spiked armor. Like and we're shit. in a pitched black room <laughs> and sitting in a, a triangle and gigantic thrones being Lord Henderson, Lord Masters. Oh man. Hope someone's feeding me grapes. <laughs> I can but go for their, some grapes right their, now. Of their own accord because we're so Yeah, awesome. not yeah, yeah, they can yeah. quit if they yeah, want. They They're got benefits. It pays together. good. It's a good paying job. They wear those chainmail bikinis because they want to. Not, but we haven't imposed any sort of dress code or anything like that. Yeah, they just we really want Return of the Jedi. <laughs> we do have a chainmail dress code. Oh yeah, you, you, you can, can wear, wear any type of chainmail you want. Trink, well, chainmail. You'd be stupid not dress. to, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like, much, what if the story kicks so much ass it yeah. fucking pierces your armor? You yeah. Know? With how true. much murderous duplicity happens in our courts, yeah. I got to imagine chainmail is a smart way to go. Yeah. Man, I'm always on podcasts with murderous duplicity. <laughs> <laughs> Please rate us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. My story this week is called Liar, Liar, Pants, Ceasefire. <laughs> oh, my God, Rich. <laughs> it had been three days on the Technomancer's ship. Three days without contact with Ellie or Tabor or even the Technomancer himself. It was... For what want of a better word, solitary confinement. Admittedly, Lionel had a food replicator, laundry service, full home gym, and a television that even had raunchy channels on it. Yeah. But apart from that, it was Fapello. 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 There was only so much food he could eat, though, or working out he could do, or self gratification he could. Well, maybe there wasn't a limit to that. Bar a twenty-five minute. <laughs> Bar a 25-minute refractory period and a snack banana. <laughs> 25 minutes? <laughs> he needs a long time. It's, it's, te- it's terrible there. Jesus. After he did his mid-morning mental health masturbation and ate a light breakfast of a banana... <laughs> <laughs> Check it off before breakfast. Nice. Lionel laid down on the floor and started doing crunches to replicate the prison life, only to get winded <laughs> at crunch number four. <laughs> Suddenly, the door to his room whooshed open to reveal the Technomancer, followed by Ellie's new hologram body. He walked in, watching Lionel. In his hands, he held Ellie's watch. 1,049, Lionel said breathlessly. (laughs) 1,050. Lionel puffed out air. (laughs) Why would he stop at 1,050? Lionel puffed out air and wiped his already sweaty brow. The Technomancer smiled. Or his version of a smile. To be honest, it kind of looked like the smile was fighting against its own nature, as if the Technomancer was holding a gun to his own face and threatening to fuck his wife if it didn't comply. Jesus! (laughs) What? (laughs) It truly was a clever trick, Michael, trying to convince me you were Emeth. I hope you don't mind me calling you Michael. It is your official designation. This Lionel character just isn't really you, is it? (laughs) Um, Lionel took the Technomancer's taloned hand and let him pull him to his feet. 
his fingers suddenly colder than a polar bear's love balloons after he'd just been dumped by his girlfriend with the it's not you, it's me line. Oh my god. (laughs) Poor polar bear. (laughs) Ellie looked over to him, concern on her face. Looking at her made him realise how much he'd missed her, but also how much he was right. He wasn't in love with her. He never had been. Regardless, Mm. Lionel would give anything to get her out of harm's way and back with the crew. She was his best friend. But I think your crew forgot that I'm not a machine anymore. I'm a cyborg. I have eyes. I have organs. I have a good set of dancing feet. (laughs) (laughs) That's the third thing. (laughs) The technomancer did a little twirl and threw out jazz hands. (laughs) What? It was was genuinely the most terrifying thing Lionel had ever seen. Like an evil Dick Van Dyke had suddenly become his nemesis. (laughs) That is scary because it's like weird. It's so weird. Yeah. And it was creeping Lionel the fuck out. (laughs) I'm a little bit human these days. It's in part why I want all this fighting to stop. Why I gave Ellie a new body. I'm a nicer, more wholesome technomancer now. Lionel made the same face as when his proctologist's finger wanted to take things to the next level. <laughs> How old is he? He doesn't need to go to the proctologist. He's definitely got some uh, over-anxiety about stuff. <laughs> Hypochondria. I can see you're sceptical, Michael, but I have goals and dreams of my own. And given that whatever power I've all recently gained will wipe away in 50 years or so, and all this will be as forgotten as Mark Wahlberg's racially motivated attempted murder charges... <laughs> I didn't Holy forget. <laughs> I'm keen to do whatever I can to avoid it. Even if that means pooling resources and working with you people I once called enemy. If that's true, then why did you send Emmeth to kill us? Lionel asked. His hands, to, his hands raised to defend himself, and his voice primed to scream like a four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> My experience at the way station, absorbing Forex Santo and the android, it threw me into turmoil. My three selves were trying to vie for leadership, and I must confess, the wraith part of me got the best of me. I let the rage take hold and sent MF with ill intent, but now I've become a fourth person. Someone not just fury or scheming or cold detachment, but a, a horrifying combination of all those terrible things, Lionel said. <laughs> Lionel, Ellie warned, taking a position between the two of them. The technomancer's eyes narrowed. I appreciate that my past behaviour might skew your perception of my motives. I'll leave you to talk with Ellie, so she can back up what I've been saying. He turned to leave, placing the watch on the table. And if I can't convince you, I'll convince your crew. I've already sent a meeting hail to them via your shuttle. Until then, you're my guest, and you shall be you shall be afforded the privileges of such. The Wi-Fi password is Big Daddy Technomancer. All lowercase. All lowercase. Sixty-nine star. <laughs> star. <laughs> Don't touch Tabor. Lionel ordered. Call your undead dogs off of him, and I'll talk to him when he shows up again. The technomancer shot Lionel a look before giving a single nod and leaving. 
his long green cloak, catching in the closing door as it swooshed shut behind him. <laughs> the door opened immediately and he pulled it back through, lifting a hand and whispering, I'm sorry, cloak problems. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I love the Technomancer. Why is the Technomancer so funny? <laughs> I love him. Before storming off again. Ellie, what the hell? Lionel began, before Ellie threw her arms around him and squeezed. He returned the hug, so happy to see her. She pushed him away slightly and put a hologrammatic finger to his lips, then grabbed the watch and threw it to Lionel, before touching the watch face and transferring her digital self back to it. Lionel fixed the watch to his wrist, and Ellie immediately covered him in white-scaled armour. Can you hear me, Lionel, she said. I've soundproofed myself so that snooping undead ears can't hear us. (laughs) Lionel paced back and forth, gesticulating wildly. Why the hell do you want to stay here, Ellie? It's an act! Davy Woodburn in second grade was more convincing when he said that if you ate hot dogs lengthways, you were gay. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favourite insult. (laughs) Because, Ellie said, what he says is worth listening to, I promise you. And it might be the only way we can all get out of this thing alive. Lionel, uh, just listen to me. Also, I don't love you anymore and I'm worried that I never did, but we can talk about that later. She said the last. She said the last <laughs> sentence. She said the last sentence incredibly fast, hoping it would take him a while to process. W- what? Lionel muttered. Been three days with no damn contact. Grissom sat in the co-pilot seat, <laughs> his expression grimmer than usual as he tapped the sensors with a finger, hoping to see a blip appear. Blotch sat at the controls and flicked the ejector seat safety cover off. What did I say? <laughs> what did I say would happen the next time you did that? <laughs> She sighed, flicking it closed again. Grissom wasn't exactly worrying over nothing here. Look, we're all worried, Griss, but we said four days, didn't we? Grissom stood, making making for the mess hall. Four days is a long time, Blotch. I just hope we didn't serve Tabor and Lionel up to that prolapsed hemorrhoid made flesh and bolts. Jesus. This is a little gross. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, like, r- like study my stories? And- <laughs> He left the cockpit, and Blotch considered his words. Me too. Main course is getting smaller by the day. Technomancer won't even have to chew in a few days. Doots had been playing, watching Mookie staring at the prophecy tablet they had sculpted for two days while she played. She started by playing Your Decision by Alice in Chains, then moved into <laughs> Big Decisions by My Jacket, then Do It Again by Queens of the Stone Age, and this morning she was playing Nothing Else Matters. Can you, like, DJ my wedding? (laughs) (laughs) It was all intended to encourage Mookie to make a damn decision, but as she finally put down the keytar, Mookie still just stared at the tablet. They had been so engrossed. Doots hadn't had a chance to talk to Mooks about what had happened to her the last few days. "I, I appreciate the efforts, my love, said Mookie, but this decision isn't the rushing kind. I have to time it perfectly and I've been reaching out with my other senses to try and find the right time for the universe. Dutes put her hands on her knees. I, um, I didn't want to bother you with this, but if this helps, I, I've started to remember Mooks. Mookie turned to her. What do you mean? I remember it all. Our past lives, before the crunch, before the thing that became the Technomancer and I were reborn. I remember hmm. you and I and all the many times around. There was the time you were an established cop and I was the grief-stricken doggy biscuit-eating hobo cop. (laughs) What? (laughs) 
Uh, lethal weapon. There was the time uh. we both worked in the candy factory and we kept getting each other in trouble with our long-suffering fake husbands. <laughs> What's that one? I love Lucy. I love Lucy. <laughs> I love Lucy. Okay, okay. Or when I was the plucky starship captain and you were my stoic first officer and we were totally doing it on the regs. <laughs> <laughs> that dude smiled at the thought of it. Oh, so no, sorry, I missed a line there. That on some universes, they even made sitcoms about us. Dude smiled <laughs> at the thought of it. What, what, what's a sitcom? Mookie looked puzzled. <laughs> uh, about two seasons of Wit and then five to seven seasons about staying your welcome. Dude's laughed. Oh, too true. Too yeah. true. Then realised oh. she was confusing Mookie. We were happy. We didn't chase the Technomancer. We just focused on the time we had left. Mookie shuffled in their seat. Maybe we just ride this one out too. Dutes was aghast. If we do that, we lose everyone. We'll we'll find everyone again on the next spin. You said we always do. It's not the same, Mooks. Dutes smiled, a bit of sweet note to it. Mookie frowned. You're billions of years old, Dutes. You're too old to just dismiss happiness. And you're not young enough to dodge your responsibilities. In, (laughs) In all the lifetimes I remember... We've never come this close to winning. If you want a chance, Mooks, sometimes you just have to trust to fate. Mookie gave Dutes a glare, then grabbed up the tablet and laid a foreleg on it. Instantly, the tablet flashed with a bright flash. Oh, well, that's good writing, Rich. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) With a bright light. He did read my stories. (laughs) And Mookie's black eyes rolled back. They fell back from their chair and fell in a fetal position. Just as Dutes was about to reach for them, a hard shell began to form around Mookie, enveloping their body in a carapace of dark bottle green. Mookie! Dutes panicked, rubbing her hands over the shell and trying to find a way through. Oh God, Mookie, please! Wake up, please! The door whooshed open and Grissom came in, sneering as he saw Dutes kneeling over the cocoon. I've not walked into some weird sex game, have I? (laughs) (laughs) Mookie used the tablet and now she's in this thing! Dutes was rambling, panicking. She'd never seen anything like this in all her lives and she was scared. We've got to get her out of this before... Attention peeps! Blotch came over the internal comms. <laughs> We're receiving an invite hail from Tabor and Lionel Shuttle. It says, Dinner invite, BYOB, PS, don't be one of those people that bring weird stuff and bring weird stuff you wouldn't drink yourselves. We don't want no gooseberry schnapps or any other weird shit. <laughs> is ringing that that sounds too specific to be a thing <laughs> yeah we've that sounds incredibly problems. british as well yeah <laughs> gooseberry what the fuck is a gooseberry it's like yeah i don't know i don't think i've ever had a gooseberry anyway <laughs> do, do, also snaps <laughs> no, yeah no don't bring snaps to a party it's, it's, it's bad mookie woke in a white room lying on the floor as they used their forelegs to rub their eyes They heard a creaking of leather and looked up to find someone sitting in a gaming chair and going to town on an old grey square controller. In front of them, a scene played out on a monitor of a purple-clad ninja fighting a purple floating cloud with a star on its chest. As the floating star cloud shot a fireball at the ninja, it curled over and died, and the gamer threw the grey controller at the television and slumped back in the chair. (laughs) Fuck, shit, fuck, the person said. I am never going to finish Ninja Gaiden 2, even if I am here for another thousand eons. <laughs> I agree. This <It's> <laughs> is gunk. Mookie coughed. Uh, um, excuse me? 
If you're wanting a go, you can think again. Get your own pocket of limbo space if you want to play Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) The thing said. In fact, come here, little one, and let me look at you. Mookie rounded the chair to find a uh, large mothman staring back at her. How? she started. Well, well, well. Stoker found himself another mothman. Interesting. (laughs) Stoker winked both black eyes and hopped off the chair, crouching down to her. He was an atlas moth, at least as big as Grissom. I haven't been watching reality for a few billion years now, but no one has ever gotten to this space before. Are you a Nintendo thief? (laughs) You gotta ask. Or are you trying to see how you're going to cheat death, little one? Mookie nodded. I used a prophecy tablet and woke up. Here? This gaping moor in reality is my home. My dudes, my dudes sent me here long ago to preserve me when the universe reset. I figured out the math for how long once, but I forget. On the edges of the white room he gestured to, Mookie could see tally marks stretching back into the infinite horizon. Yeah, it was a while. A curse, really. It's driven, driven me a bit insane. I kinda hate her for it. <laughs> Mookie gasped. Are these years, or...? Psychos, sets of five billion years. Wow. Every time I feel the universe reset, I draw a tally on the wall. You want lunch or you want to see what you're here for first? (laughs) Stoker cheerily walked to a fridge that seemed to appear out of nowhere and pulled out a half-eaten can of baked beans with a fork sticking out and raised his eyebrows to Mookie. Uh, No thanks, I'm fine. Mookie looked at some of the stuff he had in in the fridge. A half-eaten Hawaiian pizza, biscuits and gravy, and some rosé wine. He clearly was insane. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Come then, little bug. Let me show you why you cannot win. The The swift river touched down on the deck of the vessel and the crew disembarked down the ramp, beset on both sides by the Technomancer's dead robots, who stared at them with intense hatred and hunger. It's like going back to my family for the holidays, Blotch whispered. (laughs) (laughs) Sneering at the hatred being directed their way. These people want to kill us for simply existing, destroying our joy, crushing our spirits, Hijoki tried to give some perspective. Yeah, so a typical family gathering, right? (laughs) (laughs) Blotch said. You obviously haven't been to one for a while. Hijoki hung his head, his sock frame making him look like a flaccid, sad, flaccid cotton penis. (laughs) Sad. She didn't know, Tamiya said, lifting his chin back up. And you've got new family now, Pops. Heath turned to Ludwig as he waddled down the ramp with Doots. The Krakenite was looking pretty uncomfortable, and Doots stood next to him, looking back at the ship. They will be un-okay, Doots. There was nothing I could do to open the cocoon. So I do not fathom how the Technomancer could hurt Mookie if we leave them unattended. That wasn't as comforting as you think it was, Heath, Duke's side. (laughs) Grissom put a hand to Duke's shoulder. shoulder. Don't worry, kid. If Mookie dies, we'll avenge him. (laughs) (laughs) Great job. (laughs) I'm not worried. (laughs) Also unsurprisingly not helping Grissom, but thank you. (laughs) A door at the end of the hangar bay opened to reveal an ominously lit room, and Grissom cleared his throat. Well, 
That looks like a mighty fine place to be obviously entrapped and suffer a full-on slaughtering. (laughs) (laughs) You bring our housewarming present, Ludwig? Don't worry, Grissom. It's a fine vintage. Ludwig patted his waistcoat and gave Grissom four tentacles up. (laughs) Tamia didn't wait for them and strode forward past the undead, clutching her katana. I don't know about you guys, but I'm starving. The rest of the crew rushed to join her, and as they crossed the threshold, they saw Lionel and a blue hologram sitting uncomfortably alongside the Technomancer, who was at the head of the table, pouring wine. (laughs) He stood in a badly fitted green suit and tie, clearly over his usual attire. His (laughs) His His chrome skull and hood popping out of the top. Grissom was, <laughs> Grissom was of the opinion that since most people with war suits were evil fucks trying to suck the life out of the universe, <laughs> at least this sack of shit was being upfront about it with his hideous skull face. <laughs> I just picture like the million dollar man from WWF, <laughs> yeah. just the fucking studded diamonds on his belt. <laughs> As the Technomancer saw them at the door, he smiled a creepy grin and beckoned them to their seats. Come in, come in. I've never... <laughs> Hosted a party like this, and I want you to all be as comfortable as possible. So, naturally, you'll be slitting your own throat for us then, Duke said glibly, remembering Hallie's face as she threw herself out of the ship to save them all. That's funny, Dukes. I understand your mistrust here. Believe me, I do. The Technomancer suddenly saw a smudge on a fork by Lionel and gave a loud sigh before grabbing a napkin and wiping it furiously. (laughs) (laughs) Man, man. (laughs) He's totally different. What the hell? (laughs) Man, thought Tamiya. He's crazier than anyone could have dreamed. (laughs) Grissom ignored the robotic devil and lowered his head to catch Lionel's eye. You okay, brother? Is Tabor okay? Where's Ellie? Lionel lifted his gaze and gestured to Ellie. This is Ellie. Look at her. She's like a 13-year-old gamer bro's wet dream now. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie Ellie waved. We're fine, Grissom. But we haven't seen Tabor. He's hiding on the ship somewhere. He'll show up. He probably just distrusts me as much as the rest of you do, the technomancer said. Please, sit. He gestured with a taloned finger at the chairs around the table. Everyone reluctantly took a chair except Grissom, who stood at the door, his hands on the pistols at his waist. Before you go into your spiel about being besties forever and picking out new places to meet for brunch, (laughs) Grissom shuddered, the idea of brunch like day-old cold jizz in his mouth. Oh, my God! (laughs) Why doesn't he just swallow it? <laughs> Why is he carrying it around that long? <laughs> Spitter, shitter, get off the pot, Grissom. Spitter, get off the pot. There it is. <laughs> nice. There were already two names for it. Late breakfast or early lunch. <laughs> Fucking kids trying to rebrand everything. <laughs> the kids created brunch. Yeah, 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 millennials created brunch. That's right. Yeah. We wanted to set our stall out early. Ludwig. Ludwig reached into his waistcoat and pulled a small metal device from one of his endless pockets. It's a small tactical nuclear grenade. Good for urban cleansing, war prevention, (laughs) and smoking technomancers who get handsier than an uncle at Thanksgiving. Damn! Urban cleansing. (laughs) Eagles are having a bad episode this episode. (laughs) 
The Technomancer slammed the wine bottle down on the table with such force that it shattered before catching himself. I'm sorry I seem to have dropped our delicious wine. There's no need for idle frets. We're just talking about our shared future. If I wanted, I could have killed you all before you even pulled that trigger. Blotch chuckled. That's why the trigger's linked to three of our hearts. If any one of these th those three die, this place is absorbed in the type of hellfire you'd be right at home in. Yeah. It was my design. Heath tilted his head, smug at one up in the Technomancer. <laughs> what I'm proposing is a pact, the Technomancer said. Those of us... Ugh, those of us that are non-psychotic despot variety tend to call those deals or arrangements, Blotch glared. <laughs> Doesn't exactly inspire us with confidence when you start bandying around terms like pacts. The, te <laughs> the technomancer sat, then steepled his fingers in front of cold, dead eyes. There has to be peace between us. Otherwise we all cease to exist. He spoke through gritted teeth, trying to fight against his very nature. Neither one of you nor I want to die, not when we've all come this far. And now, after studying Ellie and my data and experiences with the dutes of various realities, I think I may have finally found a way to keep the universe living. Why don't you just cut all the homes and gardens crap and tell us what you want, Lionel said. <laughs> Half. The Technomancer couldn't help but smile. Looking straight at Dutes as he did. If you want to propagate your hope and love and care throughout the multiverse, then so be it. But I want the other half of the multiverse to sow discord and chaos and despair. My raison d'etre. We draw a line across the multiverse. You leave me to my half. I leave you to yours. A balance. The assembled crew were horrified. To abandon half of existence to him seemed so callous, so cruel. And if we refuse, Dutes asked, already knowing the answer, we keep fighting. I keep killing you. The pressure between the opposing forces grows and the universe is forfeit, the Technomancer said. I don't want to do it, but if I can't win at least half of what I want, nobody will. Here it be, Moffling. The very reason why the answers you seek are not here. Stoker and Mookie stopped at the edge of a white cliff, overlooking a white abyss. He brandished a fork at her, which she went to take. But, but that's just a fork, Mookie said, confused. <laughs> Stoker threw the fork down into the abyss and stared out at the emptiness. No, Mookie, Jiminy Cricket Man. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Wake up, Wall, you mon piece of monumental shit. We have visitor. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mookie. It sometimes take, take a while to warm up. Out in front of them stretch a vast, tall wall of white in this white world. This is Origin Wall, where plans for universe come from. If I say to Wall, show me what makes me happy, the wall flashed a million fractured image images of Stoker's dudes. She was magnificent, a muscly bound py pirate with grenades for earrings. <laughs> Shit. That's she, had, cool. she had a face that said, try me, and a butt that said, try me. Oh! <laughs> it seemed in all realities, Dutes was amazing. Now, 
Ask question, child. Stoker gestured as he tipped his can of beans to get the last morsels out, only serving <laughs> to spill sauce all down his front. Uh, um, Wall, could you please show me how... Stoker patted Mookie on the shoulder. No, 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 you do not say, please, pretty princess Wall, may I have with pony, please? <laughs> it is strong, Wall. Wall, brick bastard. You show Mookie how to defeat sorrow and save dudes and stop cycle of death and rebirth and blah, blah, hero shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. This is my favourite new character. <laughs> The wall showed a million images, a million million images, from a trillion worlds and realities in quick succession, before showing a symbol of scales, and then going black. You see, when wall is asked impossible, it become useless. Go way of Dodo. The ones that stayed on Earth, not the ones that left to found the new planet of Dodo. <laughs> That's good that they have a planet. I'm glad it worked though. Yeah. Stoker pulled a random piece of cheese from his pocket, blew the lint from it, and gobbled it up. What oh. is this dude's deal? Wall, please explain what you mean by this scale imagery. The wall talked in a, harmon- a harmony of vibrations and crystalline sounds. The balance of sorrow and hope, positive and negative forces, matter and antimatter, are the unifying features of the constructs of the multiverse. Realities would revert to a zero value without said features acting in equal and opposite balance. The multiverse is currently experiencing an overbalance towards sorrow, and is accelerating your previously stated natural zero value. <laughs> Mookie stepped forward. Wall, is, is there any way to kill our Technomancer? The wall cycled through images, one after the other, until it produced another symbol of the scales. One cannot exist without the other. Realities cannot exist without either. I told you, there is no way. You are literally banging your head against wall. Stoker laughed. <laughs> Mookie huffed. Wall, can, can we contain our technomancer, stop him somehow, and stop the reset? The wall showed the destruction of trillions of realities seemingly alluding to the fact that the only way to stop this Technomancer was the destruction and reset of everything. You see, Mookie, it is as I said. The Stoker began, quiet. Is there any way to ensure the continuation (laughs) of our current timelines? This time, the wall didn't cycle through images, but showed a circle rotating, as if it were considering. Stoker suddenly stopped laughing, as if he was seeing something he'd never seen before in his eternity here. Mookie was just about ready to go. Ugh. Mookie was just about ready to ask another question when the wall finally showed the same picture of scales. Yes, Stoker nearly bust a gut laughing. I thought you had something there, child. But same wall, same answer. There must always be balance. Good cannot win. Bad cannot win. No hope. No solution. Mookie was crestfallen. All their efforts, the efforts of those they loved had been for nothing. Even if they won the fight, the universe would reset at the mere absence of the Technomancer. For all Mookie's powers and abilities, all their work, all their sacrifices, the almighty balance was more important than the well-being of people, and there was no way for her to influence it. It was like organised religion, a stacked deck of shitty cards. (laughs) I'm going home, Mookie sighed. If the end of the world is coming, I'd rather be with my loved ones. Ken! Can I come? Stoker said. (laughs) (laughs) Let him go. 
I'd rather die in battle with a tyrant than go back to Ninja Gaiden 2. <laughs> Damn! Aboard the Swift Feather, the crew sat around the mess hall table. They'd been given an hour to consider the Technomancer's request, but silence had fallen over the crew for the last ten minutes. Ellie, tired of the standstill, cleared her throat. Is it worth considering? Lionel was appalled. No! But then he was confused. I mean, no, right? We can't just let him destroy half the multiverse. There's the question of if we can even trust him, Ludwig sighed. Heath Mm -hmm. was at the porthole, watching the motionless armies of the dead on the landing platform. Oh, there is no question in my opinion. We cannot trust him. We can never trust him. (laughs) He shared his plans with me. He truly believes this is the only way to survive. I think he's genuine, Ellie said. Blotch cackled. He'll find some way to screw us over the first chance he gets. Ellie, he's pure evil. He raises the dead to be his minions. This is as close to a deal with the devil as we can get outside of politics. <laughs> Ludwig was drumming his tentacles on the table. If only Mookie could come back and tell us what she saw. But that's not but that is not an option for now, Ajoki shook his head. And we can't wait for them. Look, we're going to lose if we fight him, we know that. Doots polished her keytar as she talked, but was rubbing harder than a middle-aged mum at a Paul Rudd rom-com. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. That was a slow burn for me. That was like a grenade. And then we lose everything. Everyone does. This way, billions get to live. At the expense of billions. Grissom shrugged. But, it's like I always say, the needs of the half outweigh the needs of the other half. (laughs) (laughs) It's the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. That's Wrath of Khan. I made you watch it months ago, Lionel said, shaking his head. No, I'm pretty sure that was me. I think it was a family <laughs> plotto. Grissom nodded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm convinced. It's motto, you prat. T- uh, oh, sorry. Wrong voice. Oh, yeah. I'm convinced. It's motto, you prat, Tamia said. We've seen this guy in action. We can't beat him. We lose if we try. So the question is, is it time to cut our losses? None of us signed up to be heroes. We signed up to survive then maybe that's all we need to do. Mookie's voice came from the back of the ship and they all turned excitedly to see a slender, feminine-looking moth they didn't know, flanked by a six-foot-tall monster mothman. Grissom and Ludwig went for their guns, but Doots and Lionel held hands up to stop them. Mookie? They said at the same time. The connection between the three of them was strong. It's me, Mookie said in shock. Why are you looking at me like that? Heath transformed his arms into a large, reflective surface and held it to Mookie. The moth put forelegs to their face, unable to reconcile what they saw with what they were feeling. But it was Mookie that stared back in the reflection, a Mookie that bared an uncanny resemblance to... Death's head. You look like Death's head. Dukes grabbed (laughs) Mookie's forelegs. You look so, so... Different, Mookie said, her lips trembling. Yeah, but also beautiful, Dukes smiled wrapping her arms around Mookie. What does this mean? Probably that Death's head was my mum. 
Mookie remembered her friend, friend that had always helped her, protected her, pushed back her ascension day so she didn't have to take on the pressures of picking a final form and sex that went with it. It turned <laughs> out she still felt very much non-binary, and that was a relief. They felt... Well, that was a terrible sentence. They felt very much non-binary, and that was a relief. They gave a mental thanks to their mother, who had died at the hands of the Technomancer, and logged another reason to hate him. I hate to ruin this touching scene. You look great, by the way, kid. Grissom smiled. But why is there a giant, hulking monster with you? (laughs) Stoker strode across the mess hall and grabbed Grissom's hand in his giant forelegs, shaking it emphatically. You must be Grissom. We were big friends in my reality until you died in tragic Segway accident. (laughs) (laughs) Hijoki, Blotch and Tamiya burst into raucous laughter. I wouldn't be caught dead riding one of those. Grissom was incensed, ashamed. Uh, Are you sure you don't mean Lionel here? (laughs) <laughs> Dutes ignored the clamour behind them, looking Mookie in the face. She was almost too scared to ask. We're, we're kind of on the clock here, Mooks. What did you see in there? How do we beat him? We, we can't. There's no future in which we win. We just have to find a way to lose the least. If this deal is the way to do that, we might have to take it. To preserve the other half of all life. A black goo began drip-dripping from the air-conditioning vent only to puddle neatly on the floor. It reformed quickly into a humanoid form that slivered over to the table. The table was tired, exhausted from three days of slivering in vents and avoiding detection, and he nearly collapsed, only for, t- only for Tamiya to catch him and prop him back up. Table. <laughs> table. we thought you were dead. If the Technomancer had his way, I would be, Tabor winced. You guys can't take this deal. Tabor, we have been over the moral. Heath began. It's not about the morals, Heath. Tabor slammed his gooey palm against the table. There's something you need to see. (laughs) Stoker cleared his throat. I'm sorry. Could I please visit the bathroom? I held to be polite, but I'm bursting now. (laughs) (laughs) My favourite character. (laughs) Tamiya, Hajoki, Ellie Grissom, Mookie, Stoker and Blotch joined the Technomancer on the bridge of his ship a dark green polished room that contained only one chair for the Technomancer to plug into and command the entire ship. It was ostentatious, but a baller setup, and Tamiya had to at least give him that. <laughs> we agree to your terms, Mookie said, watching as the Technomancer scanned them, deciphering their new form, cataloguing them. And I see you brought muscle to make sure the ink dries on our deal. You look lovely, dear Mookie. The Technomancer stood watching out over the universe at the clear view screen at the front of the room. Much different from when I first met you. You mean, when you killed my mother? The Technomancer turned. That was over a hundred lifetimes ago for me. But I am sorry. The part of me you call Rafe was much more vicious than I am now. Whatever, demon. What's the next step? Hijoki sneered. We divide our winnings, and then we go our separate ways. <laughs> Dutes can open a portal, and the technology I have reverse-engineered from Ellie means I can keep it open and use it to transport my forces to the other agreed-upon realities under my purview, at my whim. His smugness made Blotch want to swing the cudgel at him, and it groaned under her tightening fingers. She also noticed Grissom and Tamiya having similar issues, 
their hands wrapped around the handles of their weapons. Mookie tapped a device in her ear. Lionel, are you down in stellar cartography? Yeah, I'm here with Heath, Ludwig and Dutes, he lied, as Heath projected Dutes' life signs in the rooms to f- room to fool the Technomancer's sensors. The guys are just <laughs> checking the Technomancer's line in the sand. Heath scanned the realities and found the perfect one he was looking for, noted it down, noted down the frequency for Dutes, before giving a thumbs up. Affirmative, he said. With a few taps of the controls, Ludwig checked the proposed line along the displayed multiversal map, then put a tentacle to his ear. All looks good here, kiddies. We are a goal. Down in the bowels of the ship, Tabor turned his arm into a screwdriver and removed the screws from the coolant housing. <laughs> it's his whole arm, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he, he placed a small metallic box in the open space, then screwed it back up. You know I could have pulled that in right, Dutes said, crawling alongside him. <laughs> she was dulled down and a muddy yellow, emitting almost no light at all. Under instruction from Tabor, she had been told to keep her life signs low to avoid detection. No, you couldn't have. He'd have seen us. Plus, it's lazy writing. (laughs) (laughs) I spent three days dodging sensors and finding his blind spots. Just trust me. (laughs) Tabor had a determination she had never seen. His jokes and barbs were were all at once replaced by a steely fury. Tabor, are you all right? Dutes asked. You said we can't take this deal, but you haven't said why yet. Tabor moved along the surface tunnel, Dutes following. My own people were immoral, cruel, scumbags, Dutes. But they were victims of a genocide. I wouldn't wish that on anyone, regardless of the benefits. Dutes felt a sting of guilt. They all did, but they were out of options. If he leaves half of us alone, I brought you here to show you something. You're meant to embody hope. Well, take a look through that next vent and tell me where the hope is there. Tabor gestured to an opening five metres from them. Dutes crawled to it and peered out. In the room beyond, an army of undead were being fitted with the tools of war in a production line. Armour, weapons, trackers. They were being prepped for anything but a slow spread. They were being prepped for invasion. On their arms, Dutes noticed small bands that looked identical to Ellie's watch. And on a screen in front of them, Squads were being allocated to realities not limited to the half that had been agreed. Mm-hmm. This deal has a you-scratch-my-back-I-stick-all-the-knives-in-yours quality about it, doesn't it? <laughs> Tamia said, uh, Tabor said over, his sh- over Dutes' shoulder. All he's waiting on is your portal. Dutes put a finger to her ear. Dutes here. Tabor's plan is a thousand percent go. The technomancer nodded his head. So, we're agreed then. Wonderful. When Dutes can open the portal, you can all disembark. Tamia and her jokey shared a look, aching to fight. Tam could feel her mentor's calming influence, his hushed tone in her head. Dutes, are you ready to open the agreed-upon portal? Mookie asked. An orange spiral spun in the viewscreen, and the technomancer was bathed in a golden light as the portal spun open behind him. He seemed almost happy, as if that was a feeling in his range. I feel truly blessed and thankful for your actions here today. (laughs) He's so weird now. (laughs) He He is super weird. (laughs) He's so fucking weird. He was crying, tears running down his metal skull. I feel like this is a good time to sing. (laughs) What the the hell? What is happening? Well, 
If you take a cup of galaxies, a little spoon of fate, you'll find those special nemeses that overlook the... Ha- Grissom shot the Technomancer 12 times in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Completely destroying his metallic skull and sending him flying backwards into the view screen. The only thing I hate more than undead despots is musical theatre. Yes! <laughs> Grissom announced as he picked up Tamia and flung her forward. The ninja ignited her sword and sliced the recovering Technomancer's arms clean off, pinning them both to the floor with the kunai Ludwig had been kind enough to make her. The Technomancer screamed in furious rage, thin black tendrils already growing from the places where his arms once were, and pushing himself up. You traitors, he lisped through the broken metal. A stoker's giant frame flew into him. The Atlas Moth grabbed him by his legs and swung him towards Blotch, who hit him so hard with the cudgel that his metal body cracked. As he fell to the floor, Mookie peered into the wound, seeing the swirling agony of each evil technomancer this one had absorbed. It was horrifying to behold, and it was all she could do to pull herself away. Come, child. No one needs to look at that black despair. Stoker spat into the gaping abyss inside the technomancer. <laughs> A portal opened behind them, and Lionel Dutes, Heath and the rest stood on the swift feather on the other side. Anyone call for a cab? Tabor announced as he turned himself <laughs> into a sheet that swept them all into the portal. All except one. Ellie stood at the control chair, a hand on the controls. She tapped in, manipulating the many options until she found what she was looking for. Large manacles came from hidden panels in the walls and rushed at the technomancer, pinning him down. Manacles in your office... How creepy weirdo can you get? She sneered. (laughs) Ellie, get your butt in here, Blotch screamed. Go. Someone has to stay and make sure this guy goes along for the ride, Ellie smiled sadly. In response, the technomancer turned to the approaching portal at the bow of the ship. The reality he was headed to was fire and misery, with no life forms to be found. Heath had done well to find it. It won't make a difference, you fools, he spat. We all know about your little portal-jumping weirdos, Ellie smiled. Ludwig? Ludwig pressed a button, and the mini-nuke that Tabor had planted went off in the staging area of the vessel, rocking the entire ship in a heaving toss. The resulting electromagnetic event caused all functions of the ship to cease. Now you're not going anywhere. Ellie was satisfied. This was worth everything to protect the people she loved. She was so happy that she didn't notice the Technomancer's tendrils approaching her. Except where we send you. Ellie, you can't do this. Lionel reached after her, held back by Tabor. You'll be fine, Lionel. You don't need me to be brave and heroic. You never have. You're going to be great. She blew him a kiss, just as the technomancer's coils of black wrapped around her foot. She screamed in pain and then started to shrink, to decompile. She was absorbed, much like Lionel had (sighs) seen the other technomancers, technomancers be absorbed in the past. The technomancer was instantly freed, but something was wrong. He vomited black bile all over the deck. His tendrils went limp, and he could barely move as he absorbed the last remnant of Ellie that stayed on his tentacle like a burned patch of white flesh. As the portal closed behind them, a bereft Lionel and Mookie looked at each other, unable to fathom what had just happened. The technomancer reached for the burn, wincing as he made contact, but there it was, a last tiny remnant of her power. He thought about one final act of vengeance they could not overlook. He would wait there, and they would come for him. 
They couldn't not. The portal flashed one more time, changing, before engulfing the ship's bridge. Yeah, we uh, didn't think about here how we were getting out, did we? Ludwig said as Mookie <laughs> took a sobbing liner away. <laughs> you bet your slimy ass we did, Blotch yelled. Dukes! <laughs> Hold on to your seats, peeps. I've never produced a portal big, as, big enough for a ship before. Dukes played the intro to Jump by Van Halen over and over. Yes! <laughs> That's perfect. Until her ship's fingers bled with the strain. In the hangar bay, a portal grew under the swift feather until the ship felt as if it were in freefall, only to drop into space a kilometre away from the Technomancer's ship. As they watched the ship cross the threshold, something was wrong, visibly wrong. The portal wasn't taking him to the hellish dimension they had found for him. Instead, purple mountains could be seen through the window. As the portal blipped closed and the ship was gone, Blotch cursed under her breath, and Heath turned to her. What is wrong, Blotch? We have won. What's wrong is that I... What's wrong is that I recognise that mountain range? Blotch looked to her friend. You see what I'm seeing, Tabor? Yeah. That fucker just sent himself to Ithia. Hmm. The end. Oh my god, he got away! No! They were so close! So close. But there's several episodes left. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They were so close! So now they've got to make a decision of whether one reality is enough to sacrifice. Because he can't get out. But, like, what if he's just weird forever? Yeah, what if he's not evil anymore? What if he's just weird? He's just super weird. Yeah, he really is weird as fuck now. I love him. It's too much I'm, for him. He's too evil. He can't he's cope like, with it. He's like a horseshoe effect. He's like <laughs> com- coming back to normal almost. Yeah, but he still is evil. But still evil, yeah. He's trying to sing. He's doing jazz hands. <laughs> he's he's dancing around. Wearing a suit over his regular outfit. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's so good. I love him and I love uh, strong Russian Stoker. Uh, Stoker. Stoker, yeah. Stoker is my new favorite character. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> well, so I'm sure he'll be dead soon. He'll be dead soon. <laughs> I love the fucking Matrix, too. Like, yeah. Like, that was so good. Um, that was great. If they are going to win, there's probably some clue in this how they might win. I'm just saying that. But you might my not man. get it yet. My man has been complaining for 20 episodes about having too many characters <laughs> and then introduced a new one in this <laughs> one? Yeah. At this point, he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. I don't have any I sympathy for this man. Well, I needed someone to explain to Dukes, uh, to Mookie why they couldn't do what they needed to do, right? And then I was like, yeah. I had such fun writing him. I was like, well, he's coming along now too. <laughs> right? That's what happens. You write a good character. That's what happens like in like shows too, right? Yeah. Like an actor will like That's why, play why a Urkel became the main character. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, that's the show now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I, I will say that at a certain point, I've been meaning to say this to you for ages and mm-hmm. this is probably not the venue to do it live on a <laughs> podcast. That's fine. But uh, I love your writing so much. But at a certain point, you started calling Mookie Mooks. 
Oh yeah, I can, mooks that's and her dudes. nickname. Mooks and dudes. And every time you say mooks, my brain has to go. He doesn't mean dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. They give each other. Uh, I've started referring to Tamia as Tam as well because, mm-hmm. like, I started feeling like if they'd spent this long together, they would start giving themselves. They nicknames. wouldn't say yeah, yeah. Um, it's like how I call you Jeff, and then I call uh, the other guy other Jeff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes other rich, rich and, and other rich. Yeah. And you call yourself other other Jeff. Yeah, which is super not convenient. <laughs> no, it's not convenient. Also, super not mentally healthy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I mean, when am I ever? <laughs> you know what I mean? I like that but Tamia like, is fully accepted as a ninja at this point. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Outright throwing kunai. Yeah, I love the Ninja Gaiden thing. I was that was like, hilarious. Yeah. This well, dude's been like, as soon as you said a purple ninja, I was like, he's playing Ninja yeah, Gaiden. Ninja but Gaiden. I like, I thought about what would be the game that if I played for a billion years, I don't think I you could still complete. It. And I think it's Ninja Gaiden Two. It's hard. Yeah. It's a rough one. I was always much better at Shinobi. Yeah, Shinobi was Sega. better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But the thing is, there's there's something about I can't remember if it's the you lose. You have infinite continues on Ninja Gaiden One, and on Ninja Gaiden yeah. Two they took that away, and it's mm-hmm. so it's like life based, um, mm-hmm. and it's just impossible. I've never beat. I've beat the first boss, but he takes three forms, and I've gone back and done some um, like some old NES games that I couldn't do as a kid, like Castlevania and Ghosts and Goblins, yeah. and yeah. but I still can't. I can't do it can't do it some games are just like they're not meant to be right i feel i feel like ninja gaiden is two is one of those games that's just like if you've beaten it that's like a badge of honor yeah and also probably a sign of mental illness (laughs) why didn't stoker just ask the wall for a game genie yeah well i mean because he's mad (laughs) that's why he wants to suffer stoker is a direct response to everyone making jokes about how you only do two voices <laughs> he wasn't meant to be stoker is such a good voice too like i yeah. really love him he uh, well the thing is i wanted to make him um like because the only russian voice i think anyone who's not russian can do is the the drunk mad russian right yes. but i didn't yeah. want to make him drunk i wanted to make him that he's like obsessed with food <laughs> like, Except he eats like baked beans yeah, and he eats disgusting trash. food. He, yeah. eats, he eats what an insect would eat. Anything. Yeah, anything. That's, uh, that's such a hilarious character. I don't think like people it. realize like how hard it is to read and react to yeah. the voices you wrote. Like mm-hmm. it's so hard to think in that second before you have to read the yeah, line. Because I there, have to do this. There, voice. There's yeah. something much easier about doing. Uh, like Frankenstein PI because I'm always yeah. doing the voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like when it, I have to do like Candle Cousins and I'm constantly switching voices, it's really yeah. hard to keep up sometimes. It's hard. Yeah. Like Imagine it, if you're rich and you have 75 characters. And all True. Of them they only have two voices. Two voices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is a slight, slight difference. I still cannot get. Jokey's voice. I can never remember what I've done in the past. It's sort of like it's like this, but not. It's, yeah, it's just too American. It, but then it changes yeah. too much the next time. Yeah. Um, oh, I do that it all ha- the time. It happens all the time. Like yeah. if you listen to the way a character talks in one episode that I mm-hmm. write, and then the next, they probably don't sound anything alike. Yeah. In my head, if it was a show, 
he'd be he'd be Japanese. He'd be like an old like Uncle Iroh type of yeah yeah voice. But I can't do that without sounding super racist. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> I can't do no. that. I Even know. with good intentions, that that doesn't yeah, fly. It's... I can't do it. Yeah. So imagine, <laughs> if you will, that he is Uncle Iroh. <laughs> yeah. um, He's a uh, uh, Haku from uh, uh, Samurai oh, Jack. Yeah, Haku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aku, the evil yeah. that is Aku. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy who is like 150 years old. Yeah, yeah and he was also Uncle Iroh. Yeah, yep. He's is that Jackie Chan? Is it the Jackie Chan cartoon? He was in that too. I think he was. Uh, wasn't I he? think he was Shindu, the villain. Oh, yeah. uh, was he? Yeah. yeah. But like, I fucking love the clip where he's like, "We will meet at the uh, the the Grand Temple ruins." And Jack is like, is that near the festering swamp or the <laughs> trees of misery? And he's like, festering swamp. swamp. <laughs> he's like, oh. And he's like thinking about it. And he's like, do you, I could pick you up if you need. <laughs> and he's like, did no, no, ever, no, I'll find it. <laughs> did you ever watch the second? No, I still need fifth. to. Yo, it's fucking sad as shit, man. I've heard. It's like. I, it like ruined my life. I was like, I I can't believe I watched this. This is terrible. Well, that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's amazing, but it's also like holy shit. Uh, yeah. Also, I'm I, endlessly jealous that Rich has a character with a lightsaber. <laughs> you could just make one. Yeah, uh, in my modern left. setting. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, Dude, nothing matters. To be fair, Adam Frankenstein is all over the place in terms of chronology, so he could yeah. have a lightsaber. All of his stories take place in 1934. Have him go to like Batu East, and then some <laughs> magic happens, and lightsaber is real. I don't yeah. know. He, he knows could... he knows what TGIF is, but he's from 1934. <laughs> you could have him go to uh, Chinatown. And have a laser katana made with some knowledge yeah. that he somehow possesses from the future. Yeah. Or does he possess knowledge? Or does from the he possess new knowledge of the future? Is he just guessing correctly? Who Maybe. knows? Maybe. TGIF. Thank God it's Frankenstein. <laughs> Man, that's a shirt. <laughs> yes. At some point, we're going to have to do these shirts. Yeah, that's true. Perhaps when we have more than 300 listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want a shirt, maybe you need to spread the word about, about our excellent podcast. Spread your legs and the word. Yeah. Spread yeah, your word through things. your legs. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I want to hop in front of all the end of the episode stuff and say something real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a pretty fucking cool thing happening over on M Class Podcast this month. Yeah. yeah, I think you should get into. It's called the Trek Boy Pride Pledge Drive 2023. <laughs> Every year for three or four years, it's debated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have been uh, collecting money through fundraiser for the Trevor Project, and we're doing it again this year, baby. Woo. For the month of June, your boys at M Class Podcast are fundraising on two fronts for the Trevor Project. You want to get in on it? Hey. Yeah, who am I to stop you? Mm. <laughs> you should. Uh, you got two options in order to help us fundraise. You can head to Patreon.com/slash/MClassPodcast and become a patron or raise your pledge. Every dollar we make over what we had at the beginning of June will be donated directly to the Trevor Project at the end of the month. Last year we donated a thousand two hundred and fifty-eight dollars. I think was the Fuck total. Yeah. 
or uh, you can bypass us completely. Don't trust us. We're grifters. I understand. <laughs> We're grifters. You can donate directly to the Trevor Project through our fundraiser at give.thetrevorproject.org slash mclasspodcast. Uh, if you don't know what the Trevor Project is, it's a suicide prevention and resource hotline for LGBTQIA plus teens and youth. And uh, every dollar accrued goes directly to the increased safety and opportunity for life for at-risk kids, as well as the education and training of specialized counselors to run the hotline. It is a incredibly worthwhile uh, place to put your money, and uh, we couldn't be prouder to be part of a fundraising effort for them mm-hmm. agreed sometimes uh, uh the, all these kids have is as an outreach is uh counseling programs because their parents and their blood yeah. are scumbags so mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely we uh we want you to donate and if you don't maybe bad things happen to you i don't know Whoa! In this in this life or the next. Yeah. Maybe the Technomancer shows up. Who knows? He, def- yeah. he definitely will. He's gonna yeah. come for you. You've heard it. Don't do it. Damn. So uh, go on. Yeah, that's that's the, the bottom line. If you uh support LGBTQIA plus folks and you want to do your part this Pride Month to uh make the world maybe a little bit better because boy does it keep getting worse for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, please pay, take part in the Trek Boy Pride Pledge Drive 2023. There, uh, there's a graphic about it on our Twitter, and I'll uh, put it up on the mclasspodcast.com as well. Do that. Yes, Do sir. all that stuff. No. <laughs> oh, you mean them. You okay. do whatever you want. Man. All right. As long as come over later. And... I mean, Sex if you want to do me whatever you want, that's fine. <laughs> Right eye it is. Oh, oh no. What do we call that? Sex milk. Sex milk. Yeah. No, that's jizz. <laughs> it's a, yeah, but you get sex milk source. in the eye. That's what gets yeah. you the bad eye. That's what gives you ba- sad eye. <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely gives you pink eye. Mm. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Not that I would know or anything. <laughs> You may end uh, the show like usual, Rich. Thank you. <laughs> Proceed, <No>. Rich. <laughs> uh, so, that is the end of the episode. We are going to close the cover. <laughs> on this episode. You always laugh. Every single time. I was like, this is going <laughs> to... The book is funny. The book it's a is funny, funny book. I like um, it. So, uh, what do I do next? Prompt bot. Can you wheel out prompt bot, please? Whoever uh, has access to his ports this week. I don't have anywhere to store it, so it's already out. Oh, it's out. He's I've got some clothes table. on it. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> prompt bot, your first prompt, please. <laughs> Monoliths by Permaflame. Did we is... not already have that? We don't, I don't think uh, we did. We have ziggurats. Oh my it's god, different. true. It's different. Yeah, it's different. It Go to architecture school, Jeff. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> Um, and the next prompt <laughs> Ice by Surge Skunk I'm sorry I, ha- I haven't had the time to invent you nicknames I will do so in the future um, Ice and monoliths I- in- interested? 
Not bad. That that can fit together. We can figure something out. We could have vanilla ice in all of our stories. Oh, <laughs> ninja wrap. It'll work great for for Rich. Ice could mean uh, diamonds too. Oh, true. It can also mean and, no. Blow is snow. Never mind. And a monolith and could mean dicks. Monoliths could also mean just political structures, like where oh, there is oh a, my a single leader at the top. This is I think with all my cult smart. shit, it'll be really easy to put a monolith in. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm just going to go with regular ice and regular monoliths. <laughs> I'll figure out what I'm doing, because I'm going to have to shoehorn those in. Yeah. I'm not going to be doing a Frankenstein story, but it would be so easy to have a character be like, I'm going to ice you. Yeah. Or have him just, like, because he goes up to the Arctic, right? Yeah. True. Have him I can just mention his, his backstory. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's so, got that monolithic forehead. Yeah, wow. True. And fucking neck bolts. Perhaps, he's, <laughs> perhaps the ice that he has found in is like a monolith of ice. Yeah. See, I'm not it's... writing a Frankenstein story. <laughs> I well, just then you're did not one. getting our help. <laughs> I just <laughs> did. Never one. mind. <laughs> um, so that's the episode. So we hope you enjoyed it. As always, big thanks to our patrons. Um, if you want to suggest prompts, if you want to add some meaning to your life, if you want to be our <laughs> be our best listeners ever. Oh.